0: You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums Podcast, the home of Scottish Football Banter.
1: Hi, welcome to the latest episode of Scottish Football Forums Podcast, We're it's season 11, episode 17. Uh, I'm John, I'm joined tonight by regulars Scott J. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you I feel I need to call you that now Because Miguel was saying that We need to differentiate Even though he's Miguel And you're Scott So I that was the differential So
2: just adding a J Is that going to somehow make it a bit more Different
1: again? Well, well he's Scott M So you're Scott J So yeah, I suppose kind So he's of. not Miguel now? He's
2: Scott M? Well,
1: no, I, no, I think he wants to stay, still be Miguel But he, I, I, he was probably just on the wind-up
2: <laughs> Right, okay
1: um we're joined by Erin as well, who's Hello. back after a extended holiday. Just a week, was it not? Any, any, I, any holiday just people. now, anything just now feels like a holiday. Um, so yeah, good to have you back. Joined by returning regular. It's not often we say returning regular.
3: Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, it's my first time this season. Um, so not that
1: regular, but
3: a regular-ish. <laughs>
1: Aye, what took you so long? Eh? It's good oh, to have you. Yes, Aye. it's good to be it's good to be back on.
3: It's good to be uh, back on, John.
1: So there's the four of us, the regulars, and thanks to Donald who put us in touch with our guest this evening. So, uh, actually, kind of like to do the whole introduce introduce yourself actually because I think it works quite well. So yeah, Ibrahim, uh, uh, introduce yourself.
0: Hi guys, thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, um. Scottish football, the sorry, um, the SFF podcast we are on, yeah. hi hi that's for sure. Yeah. That's quite easier to say, <laughs> yeah. Cool, yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> now you guys got in touch, and I'm um happy to come on and um discuss um what I'm about to discuss. I guess it's it's my book basically. So I guess Donald, you said you um became aware of the yeah, I've yeah, written a book about, I, I um, yeah,
3: your your um your tweet appeared in my timeline. Um, at that moment, I I follow you now. Um, at the moment then I didn't and um, the book intrigued me obviously straight away because um, obviously the, the, the African influence in the World Cup now has just exploded when recent World Cups, I mean up until 1974 there was none and then um, I thought about it and I thought you had put the, obviously on the tweet about anybody doing podcasts to come on and talk about your book. And I thought, well, that initially would be very good to come on our podcast. But then I thought also, why don't we sort of expand it a little bit more and obviously your knowledge in African football and and tie it in with what we do and look at African players um, and their impact and influence in Scottish football
0: yeah so the book is called no longer naive it was released in august uh, so my background is i'm a journalist slash writer slash now first time author as well and uh yeah so as we were all sort of trapped in our houses over the course of lockdown i sort of had this idea that had been sort of festering in my head for a number of years and what better time to do it than when you can't leave your house so um that was my 2020 project and um yeah it's now out and available to buy and um for people to read if they want to learn about the history of African football at the World Cup.
1: See early on, actually, just on the subject of the the book itself. So we've got a first question from a guest. Well, I say a guest, he's actually a regular as well, who's also not been on the podcast yet this season. This is a a recurring theme. But uh, he is asking, what was your inspiration behind the book? Was it because there wasn't one that focused on African nations at the World Cup or just because you've obviously got a passion for the subject?
0: um a bit of both really um so there are a couple of books or a couple of books that touch on sort of african football and african football teams at the world cup and the world cup books which sort of touch on african teams but there was nothing sort of comprehensive that encompassed just african football at the world cup there's the other books out there sort of touch on african football of course on a wider scale um sort of more Probably more thorough, more in depth about the various different parts of the history of African football. I've t- tried to steer it more towards the sort of the the growth at World Cups because I feel that's a subject that's you know is sort of interesting to me. I sort of passionate. I like international football and obviously with my sort of background um, uh, to Nigerian parents and um, just my lifetime watching the world cup and always sort of subconsciously supporting the African teams as well when they're in there. And, um, yes, yeah, so I thought put pen to paper, uh, or you know, fingers to laptop and, uh, <laughs> do, do this book finally. Cool.
1: So in terms of that, Niger- start with Nigeria then maybe good place to start.
0: Okay. So, um,
1: in terms of influence,
0: yeah, so Nigeria's first World Cup was in 1994. I don't know if people remember. Um, and I'm old enough, yeah. And they were actually yeah. heavily tipped to do really well because they had a really strong side at the time. They'd just won the um, African Cup of Nations that same year. Um, they'd won the under-17s World Cup a year earlier. And um, yeah, so the idea was that actually, you know what, this could be like the first African team to really sort of push on and sort of if you sort of take it back four years, you had um, Cameroon, who'd obviously did fantastically well at the 1990 World Cup. And I'm sure everyone here will probably agree that they probably should have beaten England in that quarterfinal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Am I, I going to get a uh, sort of yeah. a... <laughs> it's a good game. I remember <laughs> that, it being one of the best games at the yeah. tournament. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah that's uh, undoubtedly the game of the tournament. Um, yeah, two Lineker penalties settled it in the way of England, uh, finished 3-2. But yeah, just the inspiration from there. People like... Actually started taking African football seriously, whereas previously they hadn't. And then, um, yeah, so Nigeria '94 um, again, similar to Cameroon, were very unlucky in their second round game, having they lost to Argentina in the group, but they'd also they'd beaten Greece, Greece beaten Bulgaria, who many remember got went on to the semi final. Yep. Um, um, but then they faced Italy in the second round. One nil up with about 30 seconds to go. Then Roberto Baggio, being one of the best players in the world at the time, scored an equaliser and then he got he scored a penalty in uh, extra time and, yeah, Nigeria were out. But it was not necessarily a bad bad experience for Nigeria. It was encouraging and people thought, okay, this is the first step and maybe, you know, along with Cameron previously, that African teams would start to develop and go on to start pushing at the world cup you had pele who would famously quoted uh, many years before that he thought an african team would win the world cup before the year 2000 we're sitting here in 2021 but without an african team even making the semi-final but at that time it did very much look as though the teams were growing to a point where they might actually you know push on and actually threaten the top the established order of teams in the world cup essentially so in nigeria 98 People went into that tournament because Nigeria beat Brazil and Argentina in the two, 1996 Olympics, and these were not necessarily like you know you think about Olympic teams you'd probably assume that they were sort of second string. But the Brazilian team that Nigeria beat in the, the semi-final had the likes of Ronaldo, Rivaldo, Roberto, Janinho, Didier in goal, and so there's not a team of mugs, and Nigeria beaten them in that. Olympic semi-final beat Argentina in the final and then people were expecting Nigeria to sort of do something in the um 98 World Cup beat Spain in the first game reached the second round again but then were humiliated by Denmark uh, losing 4-1 but that's less to if if you read the book you'll find out that it's less to do with ability and more to do with sort of internal issues which sort of plague african nations and um is partly the reason why African teams haven't been a success. It's, it's less to do with ability as it may have been in the past. Like if you go back to, say, the 70s or so, but now it was more about sort of internal conflicts, arguments over money, and disputes with the management, things like that.
1: Yeah, I think Scott's got a question on the back of that. that...
0: Yeah, it's just as a, an outsider looking in, first of
2: all, the, the, the Olympic 96, you know, that Brazil team had Ronaldo it, just as he was becoming the phenomenon that he was. So to beat that Brazil team w- was no mean feat, that, that's for sure. Um, but it was on the kind of political side, it seems to be that that's what's tripped up uh, African nations more than anything else, is just the kind of the associations and governments and things like that, and unfortunately wars and things that have really held a few nations back. Because just as you start to see them kind of growing, you then hear another kind of internal conflict uh, so how, how hard is that being a, a supporter of all kind of African football when you're looking at your, your book the World Cup how hard and frustrating is, is that looking back?
0: Well that's the thing is the whole setup is always um, there's always a lot of political influence if I mean it, in sort of European football setups it's more okay you have a football association, and you have a manager who picks the team, and that's it, really. In Africa, you tend to, more often than not, you have uh, the government who have a sports ministry. So imagine, say, you know, government in this country had used theirs, like the, the sport. I, I don't know who the MP is for like sport and things like that, but if they were having an influence on Gareth Southgate in England, sorry. Apologies if they were um, picking the England team off the back with government influence. So you have that in a lot of African nations. So you obviously have disputes with um, sort of within with, with the managers and you have them with the this government arm, this sports ministry. And uh, a lot of the time, these managers are european so they've been employed from europe so a lot of the times they'll come in and not really understand that hey i'm trying to pick a team here and i've got this guy from the government in my ear telling me who i should pick and who i shouldn't pick and then there's always disputes over money bonuses and things like that and um yeah and obviously like you mentioned briefly there are conflicts within the countries as well i mean you know political instability and things like that although that's not necessarily exclusive to africa but it's something that has had an influence and um, and so the jumping off point for the book I started was um, 1974 and Zaire um, and um, they were drawn in Scotland's group actually for that that year at the World Cup and um, yeah and similarly maybe not to the same level but this Zaire team was supposed to be like the jewel of the African crown of football at the time. They'd won like the African Cup of Nations a couple of times. But again, a lot of that was due to the fact that they had um, Mobutu, who was like the dictator in the country, who'd funneled all the money into sport to make sure this team was supposed to be really good. But then they got <coughs> to the World Cup and then um, played the first game against Scotland, lost 2-0 and actually potentially put on a decent show. You know, I mean, Scotland were. Um, I think manager Willie Ormond had got come out before the game and saying that he thought that you know Scotland should be winning five or six nil. And um, yeah, it was only two. It only two in the end. And if you look back at the highlights, Zaire actually have a couple of chances towards the end of the game to um, sort of narrow the scoreline. And ultimately, that two nil is what what caused Scotland to miss out on qualification because unfortunately, after that game there was obviously the internal conflicts that I mentioned um, about bonuses and things like that. The players hadn't been paid. So they pretty much had a mutiny before the game against Yugoslavia, ended up going out and getting hammered 9-0 and then, um, yeah, and then lost 3-0 to Brazil. And because obviously Scotland, Brazil and Yugoslavia all drew the games against each other, Scotland ended up going out on goal difference. So, you know, had it, had it been slightly, had the fixtures been slightly different, maybe Scotland <laughs> would have been the, the team beating them 9-0 and to um, yeah. the next round. So, yeah.
1: That's- If we have a beauty in Scotland, Scott, we just get hammered. (laughs) You could have just ended it at that. Um, On the subject of the political thing, though, it's quite interesting because you're now seeing ex African footballers now involved in politics in their country to make a difference. Is that because almost the players are more powerful than the politicians? The ex players, like George Weir, has been involved in.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's certainly something that there's definitely something that could be argued. I think it's. um... Yeah, these, these they become big names and, they bec- and people sort of gravitate towards these people and sort of like they respect them a lot more than the politicians who have um, perhaps not uh, been the most positive. I mean, you know, you, again, it's not exclusively an African thing. If you go to anywhere in the world and you start talking about your politicians, nobody's a fan of them, aren't they? And so, I mean it's almost if you want to compare almost to like America, someone like Donald Trump who comes out and is not a politician, people sort of gravitate towards him more than necessary. Not that he's the perfect, he's a great example of anything. Um, But um, yeah, but that's like, you know, these sports stars who have had their lives in the limelight are more attractive to people than people who are sort of groomed for politics, essentially.
3: (laughs) My, my first memories of the World cup was 1982 um and the infamous incident with um algeria um and they, they were my first obviously African team that I had obviously noticed playing football and it was um it was uh, some introduction obviously to to an African football at the World Cup which was and it still obviously very, very uh, highly spoken around the world at this moment. When you think of the 1982 World Cup, you think of Algeria. I take
0: it that features heavily in the book. Yep, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, Algeria have a yeah. They they feature quite heavily as a, you know just throughout their sort of timeline of, sort of trying so, to be actually
3: able- actually going back to the book. Ibrahim, how how have you how have you structured the book? Is it chronologically through? Through the World Cups, so do you start from obviously 74 to the last World Cup, or
0: are you doing it like countries? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I start, yeah, it is, it's essentially chronological. I mean, the jumping off point, like I say, it's um, the Zaire experience in 1974. Specifically, if you go to the Brazil game, there was a free kick where um, one of the players, Mwepo Ilunga, he runs out of the wall and he boots the ball up the pitch and it's that's where this sort of negative perception of you know Africans don't know how to play football they don't understand the rules and things like that which you know in reality is silly because you know how they've got to the world cup if they didn't understand the rules but anyway just from that moment of that kick that's where my essentially my jumping off point is and then it sort of goes chronologic from there but I yeah. sort of jump back in the sort of like the second chapter to sort of talk about the history of sort of football in Africa briefly and Egypt appearing at the very second World Cup in 1934 and then um, Morocco in 1970 and then back to 74 and then 78, 82, then onwards from there on. Um, Yeah, but yeah, going back to the Algeria incident. um, Yeah, they were basically cheated out of a place in the second round by the, the collusion between Austria and Germany, although nothing was ever proved. But it's quite clear when you watch it that, you know, they're playing out for this one 0 result that, would st- that ends up stitching up Algeria and eliminating them. And um, yeah, the rules had to change after that, didn't they? Like FIFA had to say that okay, we need to have these final group games playing. Yeah, all kicking off at the time. same time. Yeah. People can't do that anymore. I mean, it's not foolproof solution, but it's actually obviously better than what was at the time. And yeah.
4: I learned that recently that that's why that came in, and someone said to me oh um, it's weird that they have them all at the same time it's rubbish isn't it I do think it's rubbish because it's like it's harder to watch all the games and inevitably the one that you pick to watch on like the smaller screen is a good game yeah. but I showed off I was like actually I think you are fine. it's because Germany and Austria <laughs> but it's mad to think that like clubs did that and then other clubs went out because it's very hard to actually prove that is what happened as well you can say you weren't trying your hardest and the players will just say yeah we were yeah. what can you do about it
1: yeah. Did you see that last? Is it last about twenty minutes? or just like passing it side to side, backwards.
0: It's uh, yeah, pure I mean, option. I yeah, I um. So you know, I mean, I look. It's in part of the book. As part of research, I found out that I think they um. When they look back at the game, I think Opta had it was that. Austria had a 98% pass completion in that, and then Germany had a 97% pass completion and, none, and they were all in their own half pretty much. You know? So yeah. It's not as if Austria and Germany didn't have any kind of history well, between themselves anyway. This is the interesting thing. is, um, So they played each other in the previous World Cup in 78 where um, just because of the weird structure was like two weird groups and that. And Austria ended up beating Germany in like a, what was a famous result for Austria. To stop Germany progressing to the to the, the finals um, or the semi-final of the tournament, and so you know they you'd have thought there'd have been some sort of incentive between these two countries, obviously because of all the history between the two as well, that they would be the last two that you'd think would have been like, okay, let's get together and try and you know push out another team, but so it turned out.
2: Scott. It- I think, you know, I think another kind of defining moment involves an an African team at a World Cup, but it's slightly different in terms of the the, the actual defining moment. But I think 2002 is the kind of last time, because the internet was still kind of in its infancy, it's the kind of last time that we really got shocked at World Cup when Senegal beat France, obviously the World Cup champions at the time. And... You saw, you saw that afterwards, how I many Senegalese players went right, to to bigger leagues and stuff, bigger clubs. I mean, it was just it's probably that kind of one of those last games that kind of shocked the world because the internet wasn't what it is now, and you know what? everybody knows every 16 year old wonder kid that's walking off at a training pitch now, but then that wasn't, and it's a kind of that kind of last defining moment
0: of the kind of just before the internet became huge. Yeah, I mean um I mean uh, yeah, so you know there's a few sort of shocks. I mean, like you like I said, you go back to 1990 when uh, Cameroon beat Argentina, that would have been up there as so well like, well, that's like a major shock. But then yeah, equally Senegal beating France was this It's pretty much the same sort of thing. And like you say yeah, it was um for sort of the, the, the next this next generation of, you know, us growing up, like you say it's um it wasn't just sort of the insight into who these Senegalese players were I'm sure I'm sure we'll come on to El Hadjadouf at some point in this (laughs) later on but um yeah but seeing him for the first time in that game running um Frank Le and Marcel Desai absolutely ragged these are two fully established two of the best defenders in the world and this guy just out of nowhere just coming and just running rings around them and um yeah it was um it was a shock for everyone who watched it, at least of all, you know, the French and the Senegalese who have their own sort of connection through their big colonial history of, you know, France, you know, colonising Senegal and a lot of, a lot of other parts of West Africa. And um, essentially most of that Senegalese team were playing in France at, you know, sort of lower level French football that, you know, not a lot, a lot of people may have been watching. And um, the entire French team were pretty much playing outside of France in for other teams around the world, of course, like you know Zidane at Madrid and Henry at Arsenal and things like that.
1: See, on the subject of Jouf, we may as well talk about him just now, right? Because we were having a chat about this on the, the WhatsApp. Now, he did have a great World Cup, right? Because everyone was thinking, the Senegal team, brilliant, great to watch. Jouf obviously ends up going to UK. Mm. Do you think at that point he thought, I've made it and
0: almost stopped playing as well as he could? Um, to an extent, I think yeah, that's that's that has to be a factor. I mean, because he was um, I think he was playing at Lens, um, and they were obviously not they weren't even one of the best teams in France at the time. And he's obviously been spotted and had this fantastic few weeks in. Far East and, um, yeah, and to be picked up by Liverpool of all teams as well, you know. I mean, of course, Liverpool have had their, their ups and downs during that period of sort of like the mid late 90s and sort of early 2000s, but to to pick up someone for just to end up at a team like Liverpool, I imagine he obviously thought, you know, what I'm yeah, like you're right, the term I made it, and I think you know, it's um it's 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 not you don't want to try and stereotype a lot of players like that, but it does happen a lot I mean you know a lot of players if you're coming from Africa, you're not coming from a lot essentially you know you you know you can try and sort of define what like you know their backgrounds and you know but you really can't comprehend how little people have when they're growing up in a lot of these countries and to make it and to be signed for one of the top teams in the Premier League. At that time, I can imagine that yeah, it would have gone to his head and probably thought like, yep, you know, I'm this is this is it now. I'm sorted. Yeah.
1: Donald, oh, I thought you were champing it a bit there to say something.
0: No,
3: I, well, I was going to say, um, <clears throat> I was just obviously going back to the book a little bit and just basically how, how you did your research. I mean, did, did you get? Obviously, I haven't read the book. I'm going to I'm going to get it and I will. Um, For your birthday, this, I believe. Yeah, my next week, so it's um, fingers <laughs> crossed. The hints are already in, um, but no. When you're obviously researching the book, um, you're obviously going to speak to people. Just wondering who you spoke to. Um, I mean, obviously, the further back you go through the World Cups, then the harder pro- probably will be to to contact people for like interviews and and research. Just just how you go on, how you actually manage to
0: uh i'll be honest a lot of people were very difficult to pin down and you know a lot of people sort of commit to be like yeah you know we, we can sort something out and then just not pick up their phones and things like that it's a, yeah. it's a very it was a bit of a slog i mean i ended up talking to quite a few journalists sort of african journalists algerian journalists north uh ghanaian journalists English, and a lot of people like that who would have the, the inside knowledge and sort of put me onto people and maybe they would have a contact who's perhaps a historian and things like that so yeah there were a few people i spoke to in terms of Gathering that, but unfortunately, I didn't really actually pin down any players. Unfortunately, so you know, I've not really got that level of um, yeah, sort of insight in there. But it's um, you know, yeah, you know, it's a lot of it is covered. I mean, you know, I've sourced a lot of interviews, I guess, you know, journalistic background, just being able to sort of tap up sort of older, older newspapers and things like that. And just you know, you, you'd, you'd be surprised how many matches are still on YouTube and the extent of highlights of games from, yeah you know back <laughs> in the 70s they're still there for to be readily ac- accessed accessed um, before they get pulled down so, yeah 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 that's
3: good one of one of the, the I mean everybody talks obviously when you when you mentioned about african football and cameroon obviously sticks out and you mentioned Ghana obviously um one of, one of my favorite players ever come out of africa but unfortunately never played in the world cup was abedi pele um and, but Ghana obviously have been a have been a, a feature in recent, recent World Cups and obviously Senegal and Ivory Coast um, the, the two apart from hosting it the two countries that I think of in South and African football that have flattered is Egypt um, a phenomenal record in the African Nations Cup but have done nothing from what the, the players that they've had obviously Salah at the moment but the likes of Mohamed Abu Treka, um, who is a, a, an icon in, in an Egyptian football, um, and the other countries, obviously South Africa, apart from hosting it, who have flattered to deceive and, at, at, at top level, um, which is surprising. And just
0: as to why? Um. I think the we'll start of South Africa, South Africa, are, 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 I mean, it's a, it's something that people, I, I, I don't really understand why they haven't really kicked on. I mean, um, Sort of post-apartheid, they sporting-wise. I mean, obviously, they're the greater things that happened in that country at the time. There were better, th- more important things happening in that country at the time. But um, sporting-wise, it actually looked like it was going to be, re- it was, it, and it has been quite fruitful in other sports. Obviously, you look at the rugby World Cup. You know, you know they've what three times now world champions. Yep um they've been to the top of the cricketing world num- a number of times um but for whatever reason football even though it looked like at the beginning it might have been they won the african cup of nations in 1996 um it looked like they again like going into the 98 world cup people thought maybe they might be ones to pull off a surprise but beyond that yeah it just not really kicked on I think um it's difficult to explain i don't really know if people sort of like if the resources are being funneled into other sports or perhaps the the political situation and too much influence in trying to get football going and it just hasn't really worked but yeah even when they qualified for the 2010 world cup well by hosting it i mean they they actually at the time the qualifiers for the african cup of nations were sort of were the same as the qualifiers for the World Cup. So if you qualified for the African Cup of Nations, you qualified for the World Cup. So for the 2020 2010 qualifiers, South Africa actually failed to qualify for the 2010 African Cup of Nations, mm-hmm. which would have meant they would have failed to qualify for the World Cup, but they but for the fact that they were hosting it. So that's how low down the the, the that's how low down they were at the time. But um yeah, but fundamentally, Actually, even they—they they didn't actually perform as badly as a lot of people thought at the World Cup when they did actually host it. You know, they got that draw against Mexico and they beat France in their last game. Um, but they ultimately finished second in the group. Sorry, third in the group and didn't qualify and became the, the unwanted honor of being the first host to not make it through the group. But yeah. um, yeah, I can't really, I don't really know why they the football hasn't really been a success for them. It really is. A puzzling thing and hopefully something that they can address in the future um and you mentioned egypt um yeah egypt i think uh, a lot of the time i think it was it, um, i'm not really sure i'm not I can't really explain why they they never qualified for the like, world cups during that period in which they were um they were they won the, so many african Cup nations i think three or four in it's a short such a short space of time but yeah um 2010 they should have qualified again the one in South Africa they should have qualified for that world cup but um uh, is a very their um, their rivalry of algeria and um a very heated playoff in which they um yeah there was a, there's a lot there was a lot that went on there and i think i don't, I don't actually want to spoil that i think that's that's one <laughs> for yeah. yeah. uh, yeah, the book yeah would it be
3: would it be maybe the fact that round about that time None of them, none of them players were playing anywhere else bar in Egypt. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot, there's quite a bit of money, I presume, obviously in the two main clubs, Zamalek and Al ali That yeah. the players don't need to leave unless it's for mega amount of money. It's only recently now that there are Basala and Higazi and uh, who and um, uh, is it Trezeguet who are playing obviously abroad now. But back then, like as I say, Mohamed Aboutrika was one of the. The, the finest players to, to play in
0: African football, but never moved out of Egyptian football. I mean, I think that's that's it. I think yeah, their main issue was you know all their players just sort of sitting sitting at home and just being like, right, this is you know it's, it's yeah. what get you know they enjoy play like, they enjoy being at home and that was it yeah that was part part to do with it. So you know they they would they'll excel playing against other African teams, but. Um, but then, yeah, you still think they'd qualify. They still think they'd reach the qualify at some point. But yeah, just never, never really worked out for them. No. Yeah, they've always they qualified for 2018 and um, yeah, finished bottom of their group. With well, me. yeah,
3: that's what I was going to say. In 2018, I had I had very high expectations. I thought that okay, I was, they weren't going to win it, but I looked at the group that they were in, obviously yeah. with Russia, um, and I thought well, Egypt could go through or should go through this group. Looked at the potential route, and I'm thinking hmm, quarterfinals maybe. Yeah.
1: And just, it's just sorry to interrupt is it possibly a cultural thing in terms of culture obviously in africa is very different to culture in europe for example or even other continents is um, there maybe a difficulty sometimes in terms of culture
0: um if that I makes think, sense i don't know i think egypt is an interesting case because um Again, it's just, you go back to the history of sort of like colonization and things like that. So obviously you have Algeria who are like their near neighbours who were colonized by France for quite some time. So you get a lot of Algerian players obviously going to France and back yep. and forth. So you know, you you have like a Zidane playing for France when, you know, he might he may in another lifetime could have been playing for Algeria. So um, yeah, and I was talking about Senegal and a lot of the, the West African countries being colonized by, you know, France. Um, then you have like Portugal, Belgium, you know, England as well. You have that sort of like back and forth. But Egypt uh, sort of were, they gained their independence long, long before a lot of the other countries. And so I think culturally you could be right that a lot of players are just thinking, well, actually, you know, our country, here we are, this is where we're at. And, you know.
1: Yeah, I'll we'll get you in a second then, because on the subject, uh, we're talking about South Africa earlier with the rugby. Now you look mm-hmm. at the nations that are predominantly successful in rugby Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, maybe not South Africa as much, but certainly Australia and New Zealand. You could say, I'm not going to say steal, but borrow players from the likes of your Samoas, Fijis, Tonga. There's a kind of similar thing maybe happening within football. It happens oh. in all sports to be fair.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's definitely a factor. I mean, um, yeah, even South Africa, you know, you have them, um, you know, you, the history of that country and everything that had gone on there. Um, in this, it's a sort of like rugby and cricket. You still have a lot of sort of that like crossover between players from not necessarily fully yet, like necessarily, you know, 100% native to South Africa. And um, yeah, you get that, you get that sort of influence and that sort of like back and forth. But it doesn't seem to happen in football, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, Aaron, what were you wanting to say, sorry?
4: Yeah, probably just following on from that. So you have, obviously, Australia and New Zealand and things that have kind of big rugby nations. And in America, you've got kind of, well, you've got quite a lot of sports that I think feature much more prominently than football does. Small What's heart. the general view? They call it soccer, you're right. That's actually translated for all our American listeners. What is the general view in Africa of football? How seriously do they view it? It's kind of not just in terms of kind of big you know major tournaments but internally is domestic football actually you know is there money there is there funding is it considered you know is it similar to it is here
0: um in terms of passion from fans absolutely it is you know the you know you get people going to fill out stadiums to watch you know your basic league games in you know any country they have um the African Cup of Nations is every two years rather than four years compared to, to other international tournaments. There's the African Champions League, which they're trying to grow within the continent. with So many countries that play football, they're trying to get a bigger tournament uh, for better or for worse. I'm not sure if that's a massively good idea um, there. They are well, the Confederation of African Football the governing body of African football are very much in favor of this two-year World Cup plan because they want they believe it'll be give more opportunities to African teams to compete on the world stage again not really sure it's a great idea but you know especially with a two-year um, African Cup of Nations as well they also have the um, Chan which is the it's like the African Cup of Nations but only for domestic players. So every country that competes only can pick players that are playing within. So you have all these various tournaments and competitions which are existing within the continent that show that how much they, they are passionate about it. But again, it is about the funding and it is about allocating of resources and being able to funnel that money to the right places with, you know, um, you know, unfortunately, I have to say, it, you know, you have to bypass the corruption and the you know, people trying to, you know, stick their hands in the pot and taking money away from which should be going into building perhaps a better, better, better infrastructure for football on the continent. Um, what we met, what you mentioned earlier about African players going into politics now and trying to go back and give something back per se. I mean, a lot of them are, are now building academies within their countries and trying to, um, you know, sort of further that sort of footballing knowledge and sort of develop football at a more grassroots level within any given nation to try and make sure that they're not necessarily always plucked away by sort of European teams and, you know, giving players a chance to develop and grow within. But again, you know, there's still a few, probably a few years away from that, that being a success, depending, of course, on how... The the decisions FIFA do make sort of pan out, and whether the money can go back into the continent.
4: Because there's a big gap in money, the way that there is in say Scotland and England, where you've got certain teams that are, you know, miles ahead in budget, and then it's difficult for others to compete.
0: Um, in terms of club football. Yeah. Um, I can't. I don't think there's like. Well, yeah yeah there probably is like a a, a huge discrepancy between the top sort of club sides within African football and sort of lower down but that's Again, that's just by sheer numbers. You have got massive countries with massive teams, massive with num- a number of teams, and you know you try and get a league structure in place. Maybe one team is funded by like a rich businessman, like anywhere else in the world, and another team is just just rural and just comes from like a small a small village or something like that. So you know, yeah, there will be a huge discrepancy in how sort of teams are perceived, but it's not to the extent of sort of European football. You're not getting million pound transfers and things like that at all. Go back to the kind of World
2: Cup side of things. You've obviously researched and what go back and watched a lot of games and things like that. Is there players who who's the players that kind of stand out for you? Of all of all time, kinda of Just from fans. the African Africans at World Cup, yeah. If
4: yeah. you not not this? I apologize for being asked if I list your top five best African players.
0: <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm good yeah, it's um I, I, I mean, it's it's. I can't pick players that I'd never actually really watched properly for 90 minutes. I and mean, I can go back over these games and watch, I mean, you talk about Algeria 82. Lakhdar Bellumi was could, considered one of the best players of in African football history. But I've only ever seen him in highlights. Uh, so, you know, I've got, a, you know, the best players I've watched from Africa, you know, they're going to be the obvious ones, like Sen, Drogba, um, you know, JJ Okocha, of course. Um, you know, George Ware, you know, he never played at a World Cup. Um, yeah, so yeah. Sorry, it wasn't the best answer there, but yeah.
1: No, no. I mean, George Ware, like, mm. for, yeah, like, certainly Scott and Donald and myself, Ed, and I don't know if you remember him as much, but in the 90s, when we were first, uh, our eyes were open to Italian football, and George Ware, straight away, everyone was, wow. Because we didn't know about these players before, it's, it's weird to say that now. Because you see, all football now in TV, you could get whatever league you wanted somewhere if you stream whatever. Whereas back then, unless you were properly in the know, and it would be pretty hard because even the internet wasn't really much of a thing. You didn't know, you didn't know players even in Italy, yeah, alone other places unless they were getting met in the Champions League or Europa League, whatever.
0: And that's the thing now, um, you won't really get many sh- shocks in terms of, um, you know, you're, you know, in global football now because somebody knows about, you know, these players coming out of various different countries. There's not that su- surprise element that Cameroon sort of threw up in 1990 or Senegal threw up in 2002, as we mentioned. It's, um, yeah, everyone is so plugged in now and is aware of the next big thing. So, um, yeah, it's difficult to sort of have that surprise element, unfortunately.
1: Yeah. The other thing that I'm interested in just now is, now, one of the teams in Europe just now that is known for having an academy or links with Africa, certainly there'll be a few, but Salzburg Mm. seem to just... Every talent, it seems to be, is going there because, obviously, they're seeing the success of other players like Keita, going at Liverpool, much as maybe at Liverpool he's not quite um caught fire yet. Um obviously is a recent one that's going to Leicester. Have they tapped into a market apart from like them traditionally going to maybe African players going to France, which is generally or a fair amount, maybe even Germany at times. But Salzburgers seem to be switched on with us.
0: Yeah, I mean um and I think that's um I think other other like you say other teams have tried to do it um to varying levels of success and things like that but yes I mean they they seem to have got it nailed down at the moment you know you're seeing like uh, you mentioned Daka Kaita plays like that they are really sort of exploding in ways that you know people wouldn't necessarily expect but the the sort of the unfortunate flip side of that is there'll probably be a few that won't quite make it you know they'll get to a certain level and maybe sort of fall away and um, yeah so that's the risk of kind of you know if you are doing if that is your approach I mean you know I'm not expecting all these football teams to be moral you know completely moral about this but I guess there is a responsibility sometimes that if you are going into sort of you know for want of a better word loot players you got to have a responsibility of making sure that they are okay I guess
1: yeah, like some kind of aftercare. Uh, Scott, I think you wanted to kind of make a point. It
0: was just uh, one of my first memories.
2: Fo- fo- football memories was 1990 World Cup, and a big part of that was actually Roger Miller uh, at Cameroon. And I remember just
0: was it was it 38 at the time? He was 38, yeah.
2: Yeah, and everybody said how old he was, and you know I was oh, I, I would have been just coming on to six. I was five at the time, i thinking, oh, he's so old and now I'm 37. Uh, I'm makes only 37? Crazy. No! Are you? I, I like 47, but I'm only
1: 37. <laughs> uh, oh,
2: owe you that, I owe you that. And it's, uh, I just, you know, it, it, cause I because I was always drawn to goal scorers and he was getting these vital goals, and then he had his V celebration at the corner flag, and it's just one of the first
0: memories that I've got of football. Yeah, I mean, and if... Again, going back to that World Cup, that actually, that World Cup was probably one of, you know, I mean, I was like yourself, probably the same age and watching that World Cup. And it was just fascinating, a, a World Cup, you know, and obviously seeing everything that Cameroon were doing. But then you sort of look back in hindsight and it's actually one of the most tedious, boring World Cups of all time. You know, apart from essentially that Cameroon, that strand of Cameroon going through the tournament and everyone just sort of wondering how far they can go. You know, but, though- Yeah, they did actually light up that tournament. Even the opening game,
1: because we were all entertained by the opening game for me with their own reasons because there were some cynical fills. It's
0: one back on,
1: yeah. But everyone, like Scott, your point about Roger Miller, like I remember, like down at the park, obviously you're going to play football, everyone wanted to take Roger Miller. Yeah. yeah. No one wanted to be Total Scalacci, actually. I don't ever remember anyone going <laughs> out with to Total Scalacci. I, I like was... I I Toto Scalacci.
2: I don't know because it, it, it was wee and I was a pro- pretty much a wee guy, so that was. I, 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 but no Miller you know I'd always try and do that wee, get a dance at the, <laughs> the corner you still flag. do it uh, oh, <laughs> uh, if I'm back in the football field you'll, you'll see it um, right. but I'd probably hips will be cracking um, but no as I say it's just one of those memories that will just go with me throughout the rest of my life cause that was the first World Cup and it was as Ibrahim said, it was that kind of vibrancy that you just weren't getting. Uh, maybe Haigita as well at Colombia, uh, but they obviously get, get knocked out. Um, but yeah, I, I also remember the, the World Cup final being absolutely boring, uh, and it, you know, kind of wanted to turn it off. So uh,
1: it's just one of those memories. What's um, Aaron? What's your first memory of watching the World Cup? i think kevin has been involved certain, there's any teams that could kind have of caught your eye
4: a few probably insofar as there were you know a few shock results that went against france is a big one because i think you see in the UK with Europe generally, you see a lot you know who the european teams are you know who their players are because they play for the domestic clubs you watch there are some African clubs African players were not a lot, and actually it is true that now football is a lot more accessible so a lot of the leagues in other countries you could easily go and watch and find but prior to that you kind of just knew the players that you knew and when you were young pre the internet and kind of you know actually having access to it twitter things like that you only knew the players that you actually knew so unless someone really played at a high level in the country that you're in you didn't know that many there's a few players that I remember Didier Drogba is brilliant, so good, and he does so much. There's a, is there a there's a street named after him, is there not? I think there is in his like home well,
0: backing, time. Uh, yeah, Ivory Coast. Um, I'm not entirely sure about that, but there's very he's very yeah. much like you know he could be he could he could be president in that country if he wants to at some point basically just because of yeah like we were saying earlier just like the football influence. Um, when they qualified for the 2006 World Cup. Um, he grabbed the microphone in the changing room while they were celebrating, and because um, their country was going through a civil war at the time, and he basically just like pleaded, just said like, "Guys, please lay lay down your arms. We've done this great thing, qualifying for the World Cup. So um, please, just everyone, just get to, can't we all just get along, kind of thing." And um, yeah, they they signed a ceasefire not long after that. Not entirely because of him, but you know, it, it played it. He played its role. He played his role by making that impassioned play after the country just qualified for their first ever world cup it sort of did b- get people together and um yeah it brought people to the table and yeah yeah
4: i think yeah. he seems just i think he seems really like passionate about football but also just his heritage has come to things like that you know you hear about him doing world for that kind of thing and it is really good to see because you know if you're you know we talk about you know moan about Pretty inconsequential things in the grand, you know, game of things. When we talk about, you know, football, you can't even imagine trying to complete, you know, a league or prepare for a World Cup when your country's in the midst of a civil war. It's absolutely mad. Mm. And the discrepancies between some different African countries in terms of, you know, the resources available, leadership they have, money they have, it yeah. must be really difficult. I think the South African World Cup was actually really good. That the Vivuzela thing. A little
2: bit
1: noisy. But it was different, wasn't it? Quite noisy.
4: But I thought we did a really good World Cup, and I think there's pressure. You know, I think hosting the World Cup must be great, but there is this element of we have to really show off here because, you know, everyone's watching. Mm. And someone's always got something to say about who's hosting. I mean, Qatar are going to have a terrible time because I think everyone is pretty against it before it's even started. Let's not talk about Qatar too much.
1: We've had Qatar. We've had that discussion. <laughs>
4: Saudi Arabia, Italy, that joint bid is still yes, the one I want to
1: Yes, yes.
4: But there is pressure if you're hosting it, and you really do want to put on a
1: good show. I thought it was good. Yeah, I know about the pressure of being a host. Um, Didier Drogba, though, is one of my favourite strikers from the last 20 years, definitely. But aside from his football ability on the pitch, he was basically, and this shows my age, a cheat code if you played pro-evo. If you've got Drogba up front, no defenders coping with him but that was not far off in real life. If Drogba was in the mood, which most of the time at Chelsea's the one we, we saw most at Chelsea. Obviously he was at Marseille before that, and, but Chelsea, he, he was perfect for Mourinho. He was just perfect.
0: But sorry, the thing about you saying about him being almost like a cheat code, it's like, okay, so you talk about Pro Evo. He was like he always had like his like his red arrow. Do you remember in Pro Evo? You had to have yep. he, he, yeah. to, he had his red arrow, arrow up for every cup final and every semi-final. Even if like, you know, he would go through like eight or nine games in the league of having a bit of a dodgy time for Chelsea, gets to a cup final, gets to the cup semi-final, and this he was just always performed, much to my annoyance at the time. But <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. He was great, yeah. I'm mm. <laughs> kind of glad Ibrahim, <clears throat> do you do you
3: think um so Aaron was talking there obviously about South Africa hosting the World Cup?
0: Do you think he'll ever come back to Africa again? Um potentially, um it, I mean the thing the next one would if if it were to happen in Africa anytime soon, it would likely be in North Africa and it would likely be potentially a joint hosting. Yep. I, don't, I don't know how people feel about joint hosted uh, tournaments, but that is most likely, especially now with the World Cup expanding to about 1,500 different teams and all that and that FIFA are doing and just just expanding the it's, tournament. I mean, one country, I mean, even in future will not be, even in sort of the you know European nations, wouldn't be able to host a 64-team World Cup.
1: So we We might we might might qualify.
3: When when you say when you say going going to the north, I'm presuming you would you're looking
0: at a joint maybe by Morocco, Morocco, Egypt, Tunisia, Tunisia, Algeria, um, Algeria. I mean, like I say, Egypt and Algeria have had a history. which is almost mostly down to football. Um, Diplomatically, the countries kind of get on. But yeah, football-wise, they they despise each other, or they have done in the past. So yeah, maybe a joint hosting between Egypt and Algeria may not be the best idea (laughs) for now. But um, yeah, but that's what it's likely to be. It's going to be those those countries in the north who are likely to be able to host it. And um, I guess I think proximity to Europe is a big, big deal, I think. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I've
3: been I've been following not closely but just watching the results as they've been coming through and like to the qualifiers for, for AFCON or and for the World Cup. You might do you think you might need to add extra chapters in your book later? Yeah. Because you're looking at countries now like the Comoros Islands mm. and Cape Verde. Um the lesser known countries are starting to put together some good results and the, the two or three countries are now qualifying obviously for, nobody's made a World Cup yet, it's still pretty hard but there are, these countries are now qualifying for AFCON ahead of some some of the more established countries, obviously South Africa failing, Zambia um, they're, they're not making it anymore and these little countries South
0: Sudan have, have picked up a few results as well well, um, yeah, so you got two thousand and six, um so yeah, that was the first time I Coast qualified first time Ghana qualified, which was actually quite surprised, considering sort of that like the history of Ghana and sort of that like the they should have qualified for World Cups before two thousand and six, but yeah that that year it was. You also had Angola and Togo qualify as well. So you had four debutant African teams of the five teams that had qualified for 2006. And um, yeah, so seeing Togo and Angola there, I mean, you're probably not going to see them again for some time, but that was sort of the eye-opener to be like, okay, so, you know, this, this, this is time to take the continent seriously because you will have teams that will have one or two star players there's obviously Togo had um, Emmanuel Adebayor playing for them at the time. So, you know, these teams will have a, these so called smaller nations will be able to develop players who are good enough to play for the best teams in the world. And um, yeah, if they can help inspire their country to a qualifier, then, you know, you'll see these teams at a World Cup. I mean, we talk about, um, you mentioned Dakar um, for Salzburg. He's, um, well, now Leicester, he's Zambian. And, you know, even, we've never seen Zambia at a World Cup. So, if you get one or two more players like him in the team, who knows what, might, what what the future holds for them?
1: See, just on that subject, I've got another question. So we've kind of touched a wee bit and flippantly maybe about the whole future of the World Cup and maybe 64 teams. Who knows if that'll happen? Yeah, maybe it sure. will, maybe it won't. But is there an issue as well in terms of the Africans not getting enough places at the World Cup for the game to grow? And if it was to grow, would it dilute the competition?
0: Um, I think at this point, it's not so much that African teams are not getting enough places. I think they have, what, five, six, yeah. same as um, South America, which, you know, the history of South American football is obviously far greater than that of African football. And you, you get the same number of teams from Africa and South America, all round about the same. Um, you get far fewer Asian teams. You get sort of that, that, that sort of thing where they you have one or the other from Oceania or Asia or whatever. And then you have, it's it's because it's sort of lopsided in favour of Europe, basically. That's the situation. And probably fairly so, you you got to argue, I guess, because of the, 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 the history of European football. But yeah, that's, I don't think that African teams are suffering from lack of places currently. In the past, yes, absolutely, they were. And that's something I touch on in the book. But as of now... African teams are getting enough places. I mean, if you want to say it for the size of the continent and the number of nations, then no, definitely not. But in terms of sort of footballing pedigree, then yeah, you know, five or six African teams is probably about right for a 32-team World Cup if yeah. we have to accept that Europe is going to have to be lopsided and have the most teams, basically.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. It's probably a podcast we could do in itself in terms of the World Cup <laughs> and all the plans for it and the complications of who gets in who doesn't and yeah it's one for another day i think Mm -hmm. i think we'll move on to scottish football unless someone has a really really good question
4: it is good (laughs) because it's something that we're passionate about right and no it is so we ran a little poll at the start of the season so we got um we did all the strips for all the scottish leagues can I say, sorry, all the African clubs, their strips con, are incredible, but Nigeria's even. are brilliant. I think they're the best. I think if we did a World Cup of strips, which actually we could be could do that next summer Well, there's no real World Cup on.
1: We could do World it when the World R- Cup's I, on. That'd be better, probably. No,
4: let's do it let's do when the World Cup should be on. Um, I think um, Nigeria's are absolutely brilliant, and their current one just now is amazing.
0: Yeah, I mean... Um... Yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> I have to agree. I got, I spent a lot of money on both of those. Um, also interestingly, during um 2020 when I was trapped at home, I got into football shirt collecting as well. So um, I've got quite a few random African football shirts as well. Um, and yeah, they are they generally tend to be a bit out there in terms of their designs. I think people remember Cameroon tried to come out with a sleeveless shirt. Then they tried the all-in-one. They, the- they tried what? They tried one that you could only wear if you were an athlete yeah
1: well of course was like were there was no way no any of us There's yeah. no disrespect to anyone was getting into that that yeah, strip no, absolutely not yeah <laughs>
4: um, <laughs> speak for yourself <laughs> but it was mad it was as though they were just thinking like we'll just keep putting them through and eventually someone will approve it like, yeah. there's quite strict rules on what the strip needs to be like but i think nigeria's current one is a beauty it's really good they bring out brilliant strips
1: 94 yeah. i'm sorry i think 94 i think had nigeria top was it? And it was the proper luminous one. Was it 94 maybe? I think that 94. not the one that's like
4: big
3: checks, but like
4: yeah.
1: patterned? Yeah. I thought we were talking about cool. African football, not big checks. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I've I've got the Zaire. I've got Zaire I'm 74.
1: Oh, yeah. you would, you
0: would, Donald. Uh, you, it, you were born Donald, all Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he bought it yesterday. yesterday goal, sure. go <laughs> <goal, laughs> line. Yeah, a big line on the chest, yeah. But I've, yeah. I've got um a, a version of that as well. So yeah. Yeah, mine's <laughs> just a version, it's not a proper
3: one. You're talking thousands of pounds if you got a proper one.
1: <laughs> we should, while we're talking about football shirts, give a shout out to one of our fantasy football sponsors, surprise shots. They do cracking shots. I'm not just saying that genuinely. Uh I've not, I don't know yet if they do African shots as part of their collection. I got a cable Verona one the other week. And the quality on it is superb. The detail on it and everything is superb. Now, their, their business plan is the only give shirts away, well, not give away, unit pay that they would wear themselves, which I think is a good idea. Because not all companies, I don't think are like that. There are some that you're like, mm, maybe not so good, but generally, the top is terrific. So if you're looking for a new shirt, check out surprise shirts.
4: And that's a very good policy because there's teams going about in strips like actual proper teams, and you think,
1: really? who's made well, that? Yeah, and you can also say what you don't want. So if certain countries or certain colours and all that that you don't want, uh, mine was no UK teams and no orange kits. That was my only request. Scott, I think you had a wee question there. Uh, again, not
2: a question as much as I have dug a wee bit of kind of business research in. So Ibrahim's book, no longer naive, you can get, there's a few copies in both Suckiel Street and Argyll Street in Glasgow Waterstones and Waterstones Edinburgh West End. Obviously online as well. I would mean, the anybody that sells books online, uh, we know who they are. We'll we'd we'll be selling it as well. But I just know that there is limited stock in those three particular stores if you're wanting to go out tomorrow and buy it.
1: And it's good to support bookshops. It's a bit like record shops, music shops go to your book store, go to your music store because they you need your support, basically. And I work in a
2: bookshop, so it's always good to, <laughs> to
1: keep... Aye, but yours, your one doesn't sell it. <laughs> no, get no, it no, no, no. You you'll get it, you'll get it, and click and collect. Click and collect. All right, right, right that's, that's all right then. And then you might see, you might see the bold Scott. That's it, that. you might turn up and see
2: me and
1: you know, I'll sell you all your sports books. you do doing autographs, autographs. <laughs> like Erin Aaron, Aaron does autographs at Petaudry sometimes if you... Ask her for a wee autograph. If
4: I was gonna buy Rain's book, I want him to sign it. No offense, Scott. I'm not really wanting it signed by no, I, 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 I wouldn't yeah, I
1: wouldn't I Don't mean and... that Scott's gonna sign the book. Oh, get right. it. <laughs> Scott has a, a the podcast. the folk like want to know, like like <laughs> I said in
0: everybody's books. there you go.
1: And I'm um I am d- i i have never
4: published a book. Do you design the cover yourself or do you get a person who does that?
0: Um yeah they put they a guy designed it and sent me a lot of different ideas and well not a lot a few different ideas and i had to approve or disapprove of them and it didn't take long actually the first one that came through i was like this is great but then maybe just a a couple of tweaks to it but yeah
1: one thing i do want to ask where's the best place to buy it so you make the most money that's what i always like to know as well no anyway generally, generally,
0: this is these are the things i generally should know like the sort of like <laughs> business side of things but you know i sort of wrote the book and handed it to the publishers came back with the edits i was like oh yeah this is fine yes it's <laughs> and so yeah no i should really dig in and find out how much uh yeah i mean i've got the contract i know how much i make off a book but
1: it's like spotify like music wise spotify even books or like they don't get much off that so i <laughs> no, buy I it basically is what yeah. we we're saying
0: I think yeah, I get less if it's a Kindle. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. Um, don't get don't get Kindle. Hard copy. Okay. Right. Or, or
1: paperback. Yeah. 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 Right. Let's move on to African players in Scottish football because over the last thirty years, especially, there's been a good number. I know there is some prior to that, but our knowledge of them might not be as good because of our age. That's fair to say. I know yeah. you're looking at me, Scott, and thinking. You're thinking I remember Johnny Hubbard? <laughs> right. Drank
3: in, the, drank in the pub in here where I drink.
1: Oh. Uh, right. Up,
3: okay. Up, up till his death.
1: Okay. So, well, do you have any stories of Johnny Hubbard then? Do you have many memories? No, no, I've never, I never saw him. I only, I only
3: know him uh, latterly, obviously when he's way past retirement age. But um, the, his main, obviously, stories came from South Africa. Um, over to Rangers. Um, played for countless many years um at Ibrox and was known as the penalty king. Um his record penalties is just phenomenal. I think he missed two. Um I would need to look up just exactly sixty
1: six out of sixty eight when yeah. I read um...
3: phenomenal record as a penalty taker. Um he eventually signed for Air United in his, uh, the latter of his career um and then resided in here. Um, for, for actually most of his most of his life, but yeah, he was, was born in South Africa. One of the first to come over um, from uh, Africa to Scottish football, uh, alongside another um, South African, it was Don Kitchenbrand, who played for Rangers again as well, um, around about the same era. They were were some of the first, I think there might have been some before that, um, but they're they're the two, the earliest that I can remember, remember talking about, obviously, and been spoken about.
1: uh. Right, now I know Scott, as an ex-Rangers fan, there will be some players that you will maybe have certain likings for.
2: Actually, the, the first thing that came out into my head when we, when we discussed this in the WhatsApp group, wasn't a Rangers play.
1: Was... I'm trying to remember who it was now, let me think.
2: I've not mentioned
1: it. Oh, you've not mentioned it? You no, I've not it. You it, are keeping your it's
2: Jose Katongo.
1: Oh, Jose Katongo.
2: Um, you know, he's always played for quite a few Scottish teams, but Hearts kind of sticks out. Um, he demolished Celtic, which may be the reason why that kind of you know, I, I remember him fondly. Uh, obviously, his two sons are playing in Scotland. Uh, so, yeah, it's a tricky wee player, you know. Just he, he always had that, you know, gumption to attack teams and, and go at it. Um,
1: Do you know what I always liked about Katongo, Even though he wasn't playing for a team I supported, he always played with a smile on his face. Yeah,
2: and he, he, always, he always played the right way in terms of he would never he would get kicked and then just come straight back up and show them again, You could get the ball again, You're just always demanded to, to, to get the ball and run at players. Um, so that's the kind of... Rangers-wise,
3: um, another one that sticks it, out for me was Cuso. Scott. Scott, just before you, you continue there, just up until before lockdown, Jose Katongo was actually still playing. Yeah, it was... Uh, he was playing for Muir, Cup Muir Juniors. Cuck. he was, yeah. was his manager as well. Yeah, was yeah the, he was, just uh, before lockdown. I don't know his circumstances now. Um, but he was up until then. Which didn't surprise me, because I, I did know that, but it didn't
2: surprise me because he just seemed to love football so much. Yeah.
3: You know, he was just
2: everywhere, um, and I know he got called up for the preliminary squad for the Angola World Cup team in 2006, but never actually got to the, the final cup. Um, but yeah, as I say, just a bit, as I say, the, the Raiders player that kind of stands out, uh, I've probably forgotten quite a few, but Daniel Kuzan, um when he came in, kind of totally gave Rangers a different dimension up front. Um it's you just it was just a powerhouse of a striker. Um it really turned Rangers into a team in Europe, I think, as well. Didn't he like a headbutt? He, he, he wasn't scared of uh, putting himself <laughs> about a bit. Um, yeah, it, was, it, it, it wouldn't be somebody I would mess, mess about with in uh, Buchanan Street, let's put it that way.
1: He was one of the few that stuck around after like Le Guin era as well, didn't he? he yeah, for a look,
2: couple of years. I think, they, they sign, I think he signed under Smith.
1: Did he sign under Smith? Why am I thinking yeah, yeah. he was there under Le Guin? I don't know, I I don't know. You've
2: got it wrong. Because he's French, yeah. I'd imagine it's the reason why he did that, but no, it's not. Well, because Le Guin's French and he came from Lawn. But uh, no, I think he was a, a, a bottle singer I might be wrong. You might be right. Um, oh, no. i am need to think back. And then Zero, zero Alley at uh, uh, Aberdeen. Um, so I'll let you and Erin talk about him. Yeah, I'll let Erin.
4: He was the only player to ever wear a zero on his shirt because he did it for the season and then FIFA yeah, said it wasn't allowed. And then sadly he... Uh, passed much too soon it was a yeah I think one of those players that if you ask people at Aberdeen kind of you know notable play, he will be mentioned by loads of people and then on the other hand we have
1: players like Calvin Zola yeah. well I remember at the same time Ed Rally came there was Bellabed, Bellabed. Yes, Bellabed, yeah. so at the same time now I remember first seeing ba- Bellabed and thinking pretty tight on the ball, composed, but I just think the Scottish game didn't suit him. Um, Whereas Zero Alley, I think, was more that kind of, I would you say enigmatic, maybe slightly. And the way that he played, almost like he didn't quite know what he was going to do next, but sometimes maybe as well, he didn't quite know what he was yeah. going to do next. Almost The one I always think of, and he's not African, but the player always, if I'm talking about a player like that, it's Paolo Wanchop.
2: Yeah, I, I think with, with Alley he either seemed right up for the game or he just wasn't there at all. He was never kind of in between. It was either doing something really important to the game or just wandering around and couldn't couldn't trap the ball. You always yes. seemed to get that kind of vibe from him. Scored a, uh, a he great did, goals. Yes, when he did, when he did seem up for it or when he did have a good game, um, he had a great game pretty much.
1: Now, the one that stands out, he's not from Aladdin, Bobo Baldi, because he must be the most successful African to play in Scotland with the trophies that he, he won. I don't think there would be anyone that would come even close.
3: I uh, worked you in pro- yeah, you could be right there.
1: Uh, I worked in
2: night, a nightclub in Glasgow and uh, Bobo came in. And I worked. I was. I was the cocktail barman at the the VIP lounge. And there was a kind of entrance we went into the VIP lounge. And it just all went dark all of a sudden. It was already dark because it was a nightclub, but the whole place went dark. And that's because Bobo Baldi just took up the whole doorway. He was huge. He was a big, big. And I can see why people just bounced off him and just collapsed to the ground. He was a, just muscle, just, just huge. Uh, very, very strong in the tackle. Loved playing for Celtic. Um, I, love, I think he loved the city as well. Uh, and he was still uh, with his national team was he, up until very recently, arranging the flights and things for the, the team. I think he was in that kind of general manager role.
1: I think as well. Where he was, the famous chant was Bobo's was going to get you right, which it was a good chant because. It Strikers was. cannot have enjoyed playing against him. I know at times he got criticised by some Celtic fans as maybe being the weaker of the defender in terms of... Which was weird, because he was obviously... Str- well, was he the strongest? It's hard in that back three that they had at that time in terms of who was... There was no weak defender, he, I don't he, think. He was
2: the strongest, though. He, he was by far the way the strongest. I it'll be... Uh, Aye, but Martin in terms of playing
1: ability, because you had about, who yeah, who was maybe more reliable. I think he was maybe at times... I don't know if he was harshly criticised. I didn't see as much as Celtic as what well. obviously Celtic fans would see, but he seemed to maybe get more criticism than what maybe Miall of O'Haran would get, or even Ramon Vega when he was there.
0: Uh, I am. Um, I remember signing Balde on the I think the old Championship manager you know, before you had the faces and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't really know what he looked like. This was obviously like o one o two kind of thing. Oh, um,
1: classic o one o two. Yeah.
0: And uh, I remember signing him, and just he was really good for the weather was a. Like, like Juventus or someone I was at the time, yeah. And, um, yeah, and I'd never seen him. And then I remember actually seeing him and seeing, like, this man is an actual monster. Like, you know, he's actually huge. Was he like six foot five, six or so? He's just massive, wasn't he? Like, yeah. Such a he was just such a presence in defense. It, and he, good was, like, he, he was, um, he was sort of loved at Celtic for the time he was there, wasn't he? And then was it after Martin O'Neill left? I think it kind of just, it, it, his career just sort of like, st- came to a standstill there, didn't he? Just kind of just around, even though none of the managers afterwards wanted to basically keep him. But, you know, he was on a big contract, I believe he was, and he just wouldn't leave, basically, which is, I guess, fair enough.
1: (laughs) I was entitled to stay, but I think even as well, he would have have stayed if he he had the option, I think. Um... And I don't think
2: any Celtic fan grudged him staying either because they absolutely adored him. He he made a a few mistakes in his time, you know, Uh, UEFA cup final and things like that. Um but he's just a, an absolute phenomenal defender um on his day again. It was just you could you could get past him um at times it was just
1: sheer power and presence. It was very difficult generally though getting past that Celtic defence. Yeah true. That was such a good defence. Um the other side margie Pegera I don't oh,
2: know where I, I, for, I totally forgot about be- Like, he, yeah.
1: was yep.
2: um, he... was fantastic. Algeria. Yeah. Uh, he was fantastic. Pace, yeah, very, very different from Balca. you probably put them in a partnership and they'd be very good because he had the pace. Um, he was very good at an interception. Um, they could both probably lose their head, mind you. I mean, it would be a volatile
0: back to it. Um, but yeah, Magic was fantastic at Rangers for the time that he was there. I looked up the goal, the goal he scored against Dundee United uh, that sort of came up when I was looking up earlier, and um, yeah, I've never seen that before, and it was, <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously the Dundee United defence are just like sort of peeling away; they're absolutely done. I think it was what six-one at the time or something, but yeah, for him to just, just march through their whole team and just uh, yeah.
1: He liked a long shot, though. He was he, he did like to come out of defence and have a yeah. have a dig. There wasn't that many that were successful, but he did like to. It was a did, perfect
2: it was a perfect partnership between him and David Weir because Weir would always sit back. Weir yep. was fifty 59 or something at the time. So you would just sit back and read a newspaper and Bugera would just
3: carry the ball out of the fence and have a wee pot shot here in there.
1: Donald, did you have your season ticket around then when I did Bugera yeah. was there?
3: When Bigera was there, yeah. I, I liked him, I must admit really very, very as the Scots said, very pacey could read the game very, very well, although at times you get caught. Um, when he was bringing the ball out, and then obviously if he lost it, getting back. But um, yeah, very, very classy player, but probably one that stuck out for me at that same time, a little bit later um, than him. And I think he's, he's he ended up playing in a position that he was really good at, but they brought him in as a central defender, stroke sweeper, and he ended up playing sort of holding midfield with Brahim Hamdani um, I, I loved him as a player. As, as as I say, his downfall was probably his versatility, and he, he never really showed what he actually proved when he was in France um, before he came over to, to Rangers. Um, but just his class uh, at the back—he could just read the game so well. He was Marseille captain before he joined Rangers. He was, uh, yeah. Danny. I think the thing
2: that actually for me that let him, Danny, down. Um, centre back was lack of pace, which is why mm-hmm. they moved him to the defensive midfield. But again, going in that UEFA UFA Cup run at Rangers went to the final, he was pivotal in that role. He just had the intelligence to stuff out every single attack uh, or, or so it seemed at the time. Uh, so for Europe and the games against Celtic and you know the, the bigger games against Aberdeen as well and Danny was always playing and then Smith would probably drop him for games that he didn't really home games maybe didn't need them for to keep him, you know, wrapped up for all those big games, because he was one of those players who did tell up at a big game and snuffed out um, the opposition.
1: Another one, that,
3: another
2: one was a kind of cult hero, was Kirka. Um, Donald, do you remember Kirka? Yeah, Salim um, Kirka, yeah. He, he, he never had to see that great a player, but
3: Rangers fans just took to me, because I think he did a few neat tricks here and there. Yeah, another one as well at that same time as well was was very much a, an Alec McLeish favourite was Hamed Namouchi. um yeah, midfield, yeah. um, Tunisian, um, yeah. midfielder. Again, who I think had a lot of potential, looked as if he had a lot of potential, but the, the Scottish game, just I don't think it suited him. Um, no, no.
2: What well, I think ruined Hamed Namouchi was Barry Ferguson
3: well yeah yeah. Barry yeah.
2: Ferguson moaned and moaned and moaned every time having the Mitchell had a back touch Barry Ferguson was on top of him every time he misplaced a pass Barry Ferguson was on top of him just moaning in his ear you saw it constantly because he was a good player from a before Ferguson arrived and when Ferguson arrived he was obviously the main man in midfield and that's I think when you see of going into his shell a wee bit because he did definitely have that potential and then yeah. I think personally Barry Ferguson you kind know, of one
4: out of them. I'm going much
1: more modern because I'm so much younger
4: yeah. than everyone on the podcast. Are you? Are you us I don't mention all the time,
1: do I? No. Um, no. But um, is it not your birthday soon as well? Like we're doing birthday shouts for the podcast. Like we've had. are not quite like, at the birthday
4: show of time. Not, not quite. Of
1: you'll Always. let us know, won't you? Like, make sure you let us know. So that, I'll let you know. Don't you worry. Because it? we need to know for like distributing the cards to you. Like, because obviously we'll get a lot of cards sent to the podcast address and all that we need to pass them on
4: maybe ibrahim will send me a
1: signed copy of his book if you pay for it, you will <laughs> well, he's purchased, he's purchased
4: editions. and apparently kindle auditions a waste of his time so great
0: oh, i can't sign a kindle either so... <laughs> <laughs> well you maybe use one of those you know, sketch.
4: um celtic i was going to do a little quiz and see of your guests but celtic
1: which way uh, i say celtic victor waniams celtic yeah, well.
4: I think the first player from, I think he was, and um, I throw a lot of facts out quite often, the drop Drogo one, I think I could have just made up. So this might not be a correct fact, so you might not be able to guess. But I think he was the first player from this country that he's from to play in Scotland. He's from yeah. Kenya.
1: Certainly well, first Kenyan to play for Celtic. Yeah. So when he you have got
4: it, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I think he was the first Kenyan yeah, player I mean, to play in Scotland.
0: Yeah, he was, yeah. Yeah. He was he nominated was, for
1: African Player of the Year as well when he was at Celtic.
4: Heaps of nominations, yeah, and also almost won a Champions League. To be fair, okay, not the Celtic, but still went on to, you know, it's not as though he kind of fizzled out. Did they not? That was what 2018, 1819.
0: Lost the final. Yeah, Spurs. Yeah, lost in the final. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um. I yeah. Think. Um, yeah, it's, it's scored against Barcelona famously as well. Um in that game that Celtic beat Barcelona.
1: Um, yeah. Just... That's never been mentioned in the podcast before, actually. <laughs> I'm mad to think that
0: you got um, to the
4: up in the Champions League and then
1: Tony Watts just still played Motherwell and played Fortnite. Yeah, Tony Watts, like, a baller now. Tony Watts, like, he'll be getting called up for Scotland soon. I'm not
2: really a baller, is it? Well. <laughs> Scotland. What? I know.
4: That's punishment for doing well at your domestic club. <laughs> um, but like... I think when people said, when you were... Um, speaking of that, kind of, that was probably Zero Alley and then, yeah, probably one were the first two that I kind of thought of. Also, Effie Ambrose still playing, not even getting a shout out.
1: We've, we've, that, there, 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 honestly, I've got a list that's bigger than my arm and mind you, I didn't realise he was here. still
4: playing football. Until St Johnston replaced
1: their very, very good defender with Effie Ambrose. Effie Ambrose isn't a bad defender. Okay. Discuss. Hmm. He's, yeah, not, they, he's not. He's not. He's got a good, he is. Couple
2: of years, yeah, the good couple of years at Celtic. He, and uh, it, it just seems to switch off at times. I think people will always magnify the mistakes. And when you're making more mistakes, it gets even more magnified. I think that's the case with the FA Is
1: that maybe though something that could be said of quite a lot of players in Scotland? Because if they were. Yeah, really good, a they wouldn't be playing in Scotland.
4: The only rubbish Like, as in, they wouldn't <laughs> and <your> be
1: playing <laughs> in Scotland. That's, yeah. And that's. We do like our game, but generally players maybe even move here and they to they move on to bigger things.
0: Is... Yeah, back to um, Wanyama very briefly. Um, he, again, going back to what I was saying about sort of political influence and stuff that was, um, you know, stuff that probably shouldn't be involved in a player's career. When he was at Celtic, apparently, um, sort of like the president, um, of Kenya, had um, turned around and said, yeah, he's going to go and play for Man United or arsenal or chelsea like before he'd no one neither none of these things could even bid for him and um yeah so you know when you get somebody quite high up saying that sort of thing it kind of um yeah it's it's probably not helpful for anyone concerned really
2: well there's another kind of kenyan scotland link in the bobby williamson he was the national manager of kenya
1: was um, yeah, he Zimbabwe as well on point? If I remember, was it, Zamb- it, was, it was Zambia? Zambia, Zambia, wasn't yeah, it? no, it was Uganda.
3: Uganda, yeah. I thought. Yeah, I was going yeah. to say. Um, but I interviewed him when he was Uganda manager. He he, he did well. He did well as Ugandan manager. Yeah. I was having I was having a little look through about some of the players that has played in in Scotland, and this one popped up, and um, <laughs> the little story was that he joined a Scottish Premier ship club in 2014 um, in the hope that it could gain him a place in the Cameroon squad. Oh, I know who it is, I know who it is. For the 2014 World Cup.
1: So good they named him twice.
3: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not JJ. (laughs) (laughs) Eric Jemba Jemba. (laughs) Three games he played for St Mirren and he was released and failed to secure a place in the
1: Cameroon squad. <laughs> Which was no surprise because Jemba, <laughs> there's a player as well. We talk, spoke earlier about Elhad's youth when they moved to, to Liverpool. Jemba, Jemba obviously won to move to Man U wow. in the back of a successful tournament. And again, it didn't really worked out for him, I don't think.
0: No, no, yeah, very much so. Yeah, I, I was shocked to discover he played three games for St Mirren as well. So, um, Yeah, fair play to him and fair play to St. Mirren. I guess, you know, sad it didn't work out for anyone.
1: But yeah, I've got one that I really liked watching, and I reckon might might be the most skillful African to have played in Scotland. Played in a green jersey. Is a manor at Hibs. Mm, Yeah, very good. Who I thought was, again, he played in a good team as well, a good Hibs team. Yeah. Like he, yeah, he was very skillful. He was so skillful. Like just, Almost at times it looked effortless.
2: We nearly had uh, uh, Maris at St. Mirren before he jumped on his bike and cycled away from his trial. Uh, And does anybody remember Quentin Jacobs?
1: Livingston?
2: Oh, yeah. Not Livingston. Before Livingston even existed.
3: Um.
1: Why not? Uh, it, it was a name that I saw earlier and tried to think back if I could remember in playing. I did see when I was looking through my...
2: So he played, so he was meant to be the prince of African football, and that's how this team sold him, uh, as it was Partick Thistle. Thistle, right. well... Uh, and the reason the reason that you will always stay by my mind is because supposedly that was the last work permit that Scotland had for footballers um, at that time. And hence why Rangers didn't say Mario Jardel.
1: Well, we did have a prince playing Scotland. Prince Bobby. Exactly. Yep. We never he set up. We don't. We don't do a. There's no scripts on this, by the <laughs> way.
3: <laughs> another another was, one.
1: Bob and uh, Bob, Ann and Gomez. not yeah, right, team Aye, for Milan, aye. <laughs> another one, that, um, <laughs> Scott.
3: <laughs> another one that Saint Marin signed. Um, I played a bit more games in Jember Jember, but a former Premier League in England um, winner. Won a cup. Saint Marin. No, no, was St no. Mirren, Did he? Um, But he won, actually won. He won the Premier League and FA Cup double.
1: Oh no, it's but, not then. Afraid, means, no, that's...
3: No, I was
1: just giving it up here. Oh, oh, aye, the Arsenal. It's played Arsenal. For, um, played for St. Mirren? Yeah. It's Arsenal. Uh, played for Arsenal. Well, you say played.
0: What he you oh, Christopher, Ray. Yeah, <laughs> Christopher Ray. <laughs> Christopher Ray. Hey, he scored a couple of important goals for Arsenal um, in that double season. You know, he um, stepped in for Ian Wright every couple of games. He scored, I think he scored a winner in the FA Cup semi-final against Wolves. So, you know, he's had some pedigree. Played a season, they had a full season with St. Mirren.
3: Yeah, and he going to score many
1: goals for the St. Mirren. Um, I don't know, <laughs> I'm not too sure. <laughs> See, on the subject of St. Mirren, Esmael Gonzalez, do you remember him? No, I don't remember
2: him. Yeah, was, was it at Hearts
1: as well? Yeah, oh, yeah. right, right, yeah. So he went on loan to St. Mirren round about the time they won the play. Did they win the league cup that year or did we got to the final? Are you telling me or asking? I think if he did. I do remember him making an, in- an early impression. Maybe it was just a League Cup game I remember watching. For some reason, uh, I had a feeling he played in a final for them. I'm trying to think when St. Mirren won the League Cup. But he was a good player. He was good in St. Yeah, yeah, he
3: was good. And but actually uh, did all right at
1: hearts as well maybe- in later years. <laughs>
3: This guy this guy made one appearance for <laughs> for Rangers. Um, spent the rest of his career in England. Um, was South African national team captain. Def- yeah, Dean Furman, yeah. One appearance he played for Rangers <laughs> in his career. Spent most of his career then down south. He was
1: at Chelsea before that as well. Yeah. They did win the uh, going back his did win the League Cup in the the time I thought it was, yeah. So Gonzalez did contribute to that.
3: There's been there's been quite a few. There's I've been through the
1: list. Well, we um, could talk about some good ones. We could talk about some ones that were debatable. Teberly.
3: Oliver yeah, Oliver Teberley,
1: yeah. Oh, Is yeah. there a debate or not if, a
3: debate? If only they
2: signed David Weir, then it would have perfect for something that
1: yes, soon. yes, we all know that joke. <laughs> um <laughs> well, one that's got us it's bamber. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I remember when he played still in playing. Scotland. Still,
2: still I, playing remember
1: in, I remember in Scotland he wasn't regarded being... He was raw, I would say, would be fair to say, in terms of when he came to Scotland, but he's I going think, to have a really, really good career down south. I think at MC
2: was... You could see the potential in him. You could definitely see that he, had some, he, he, he could go another level. I, I, I didn't think Premier League level, but I, you know
0: I, I think he... he doesn't surprise me. He was, was a kind of championship stalwart for so long. Yeah, Ibrahim? him. I know. I was just going to say. Um, I did. I sort of dug out an interview with him where he said that when he arrived in Scotland, he hadn't. He didn't know a word of English and was basically learning English during his time at Dunfermline, which is uh quite interesting. And saying hey, you couldn't understand anyone because of the accent, but then eventually started speaking with the accent himself. So. <laughs> <laughs> Just harmonious, that like, coming together. <laughs> Lovely. He's had a sad
1: time of it as well the last few years. Well,
0: Still. yeah, he was um, diagnosed with cancer um um start of the year. And um, he has um, come out and said he's cancer free now. So hopefully that's um, something that sticks basically. So, yeah, but yeah, he's, the, he's done the round sort of championship, like you say, championship tour at Middlesbrough, Cardiff, uh, to name but two. Um, the rest escape me at the moment. But yeah, he's um, had a decent career post Hibs and uh, Dunfermline.
1: Another more recent one, who did well at one club, moved to a big club, didn't do so well at a big club, in the last four years, went back to the club.
2: Oh, Kilmarnock and Celtic. Yep. Oh, uh, Malumbo, you said
1: Malumbo. Yeah, yeah, When he first was at Kilmarnock, unbelievable in that midfield.
2: Yeah. I, yeah, don't think he got, I don't think he got a proper chance at Celtic, to be fair to him. I don't uh, think so. I, don't, I, I think that was a good kind of player Celtic needed at the time as well. Uh, I, I don't know if it was a kind of forced upon signing when Rodgers wanted somebody else. It was that kind of talk.
1: Um, the thing I always thought is, I always thought Celtic in midfield, and we've spoke about this in the podcast before, at that time, in Europe, they needed an extra player in midfield that was a bit more combative. Yep. Malumbu and Brown could have been perfect for that.
2: But Rodgers, as we all discussed before, never had a plan B, never resorted to a plan B, and that would have been a plan B, is to have an extra man and be a bit more solid in midfield. Um, and that is, I think that was why he never really got his proper chance at Celtics, because I don't think it was a Rodgers kind of signing.
1: More recently, there's two at last year's Champions yeah. Bo and
2: Balogun. yeah. Aribo is a lot of talent. He needs to be a bit more consistent. I think he has shown that probably uh, the last few months of last season and the kind of start of this season. Uh, very good on the ball. Uh, so I'm expecting him to go on uh, another level this season at Rangers. Balogun uh, has been a phenomenal signing considering, you know, it didn't cost him anything. It was. Under the radar, um, kind of signing kind of almost like that Rod Wallace kind of surprise signing type thing. They kind of rolled out after uh, signing everybody else. And by the way, we've got this guy as well. Um, very smart defender. had a great game against uh, Kyogo um, in the recent old-firm game. Uh, I like
1: Balligan. I think he's a really good defender. Yeah, Whether he plays right good. back or centre-back, I think he's solid. Um, another one who was considered a flop, in Scotland, but is now getting tipped for £25 million moves. Sadiq. Yeah, Rangers. (laughs) He was getting tipped for... I I think I've seen him linked with clubs down south. Clubs in Italy. I think it was... Was it Roma or Lazio, I think? uh, He he was at Roma. It was at Roma. But I I think we're getting... He was getting linked somewhere for £25 million. I was like... Is it Liverpool? I think he got linked
2: with... Might even
1: have been Liverpool in you're like... Based on what we've seen at Rangers, you, you would not guess that, but yeah. Again,
2: um, I, you didn't see him enough forward. We did miss that absolute setup, uh, And obviously Gerard saw more of him, like, training and things like that. But um, yeah, I, I, it, it's a, a very surprising one that I saw him
1: getting linked to such big moves. Ibrahim, yeah. uh, did you want to make a point, Charlie.
0: Oh, no, it's just a quick one on Balogun saying that he could... Um, I mean, he's probably slightly older now but there's a chance he could have been playing in the world cup next year if not well provided nigeria qualify so um yeah because he's been um sort of like really highly rated there so it's obviously having that sort of that german sort of origin as well so like he's sort of like dual heritage he's um you know sort of really highly rated in nigeria for having that sort of you know that temperament and that sort of ability that's come from you know growing up and playing in the bundesliga and things like that so yeah he could have um very much been on the we played in the 2018 World Cup and um, very much could be um, in the squad again next year, but he might be slightly, slightly too old. He's what, wrong side of 30, I think. So maybe might be all right for a centre back, maybe all right. But yeah. what do you think of Arévalo? see? Have you seen much of Aibo? Um Not, not, not much. So, um, yeah, not really sure now how he he will turn out. So yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that I think we're a bit like that in Scotland. I think the problem that he's got is a bit too versatile, or well. Or well, he's asked yeah. to be versatile for Rangers. Mm. And we discussed a wee bit last week in the podcast that he's probably a 10. Or we've discussed that a few times, but they don't play a 10, 10, a traditional 10. It's the false 10s, or sometimes he plays midfield. I've noticed recently, though, Rangers are trying to maybe have him almost they almost have three attacking midfielders as opposed to two, which maybe might help him out, because he's he has, definitely he had- a talent.
2: He has played the right a few times, but he definitely should be playing kind of in off the striker for me. Um, his, his feet, you know, his close ball control is phenomenal. Uh, to skip round players and stuff like that, he just needs to be more consistent in my book, um, and that might be finding an ideal position will help. That, um, but he, there, are, there are glimpses, but then there are times where you see him in big games just go missing as well so it, it, as I say he has to find that consistency and kind of make sure he's he's, he's at it more times yep. than he's not
1: he has a player Erin will remember so it's not your daughter it's your son eh
4: yes I know um,
1: <laughs> All right.
4: uh, I, look I don't know I was having a think about like, only I look old. yeah I was having a think about players that kind of stand out. Not the worst.
1: He was, not I he was good at us. He was good. It us just... Is it because he went to it He was good for well, us. Yeah,
4: I think... <laughs> I don't really understand what happened with him going because he just... Did he not just leave at the end of a contract and it was all a bit odd?
1: It was awkward. Was it like a four-month contract or something? It was kind of awkward because... Obviously Rangers wanted him. <laughs> he, he wanted to go. Want to go to we didn't one. obviously want him to go to Rangers because we just that's not what we wanted to see happen. And yeah, it was a bit messy. But it happened and he wasn't my
4: much can do favorite, about it? But not Joe you know what? definitely worse. I mentioned Calvin Zola earlier. Not good. Not no. good
0: at all.
4: I doubt he's in Ibrahim's book.
0: Donny Iluco or Karen Zola are either of them in it. Um no Sonny Iluco I was um reading up, he did score against Bayern Munich, which is yes. you know got a sort of collector's item now, that's the Bayern Munich are now. So um yeah. Josh Walker on the same night. Mm. It's
1: England youth captain. unlucky with injuries or Josh Walker after he was at Aberdeen I think he's a, but still in the, he was still in the game too recently, I think. He's maybe right. still playing.
4: You know, okay, Luke was still playing, is he not at switch? If I jump
1: uh, that up. Aye, yeah. aye. Yeah. Uh, Reading.
2: Was it Reading? He went to Reading oh, he,
4: yeah. he, he went Redding. to Hull from yeah. Rangers because did he not go to Hull? See there, Alan McGregor went he went to Hull from Rangers, was it not around?
0: He went because he didn't, he didn't want to stay at Rangers and play in, you know, yeah, he left football, there. Football football,
4: He yeah. left when a lot of them left, we'll
1: say. Yes, Um I did why was that? Of it. I just
4: think what the
1: fast I think
4: happened. Oh, was it? I think they want to get paid. So <laughs> he left then and went to Hull because I do remember thinking that was not a bad move. And I think he is still playing because he popped up on something recently. He is playing. Yeah.
1: He, he, is a four Ipswich. is it, yeah. And he's possibly not the most talented footballer in the family.
0: Absolutely not the most talented footballer in the
1: family. <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, if, Right. Do oh. we want to, as a combined effort, try and make a 1 to 11 of African players to play in Scotland?
3: Well, see, just before you say that, I was having a wee quick look there. and and um, <clears throat> Between the, the years of 2004 and 2010, Senegal produced, well, they had some really good players that appeared in Scottish football. Henri Camara.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wasn't yeah. that we're good in Scotland? I don't we're, going
3: think. See, we're going to see really good players,
1: and then like <laughs> no, were, and de- decent players who appeared in Scottish football. Oh, nice. El Jeff. That was he just because he'd been at Liverpool, and we was regarded as a big signing, and yeah, Um Diomansi Kamara played yeah. for Celtic 2010. Are
3: we calling these players good players? What's happening? Um,
1: de- 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 Doyle's decent. just a be hipster. He's to be hipster.
3: De- decent players. I'm Defy
1: at Rangers 2007-2008. What appearance? You're just you're just you're just you're just, uh, you're just looked, <laughs> you've just looked at Wikipedia. No, what I'm what w- I w- I'm I've a list w- w- because much as Wikipedia's maybe not regarded as being the best site, it is pretty good for getting a fact quickly. For what I can remember, playing one appearance and it was a centre back as an emergency
2: centre back against Celtic.
1: Do you Do know, you know was who was good? Moussa Guinea, Guinea. Yeah, he Bobo Baldi, St Johnson, yeah. brilliant at St Johnson. I actually think he was pretty good at Celtic as well. Was, in that yeah, was Martin squad, Celtic, he, was, he, was, was, he could yeah. fill in at different positions. He was uh, a good squad player at Celtic. There was a few of them Martin O'Neill had that
2: he could always bring in and give you a, give,
1: you, give you a turn. The only thing I'm thinking, and goalkeeper. someone might be able to quickly correct me, have we had an African goalkeeper in
0: Scotland? Uh, yes. yes.
4: I researched this.
0: Like, um, okay. E- Eves McElhambie. Played for Hibs. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Was it Chelsea? Aye, so I'll ask the question again, yeah, because he, was, was he wasn't probably. great. Have No, <laughs> he, he
1: wasn't particularly good at Hibs. He was at Chelsea in his younger days, was it? Yeah, he there, yeah. So he would just go in the team as default. See, that
4: game where they won, he was, um, I had not look at this, because actually that was the thing, when we were talking about players, I was like, notably, that Odom was a keeper. So I had a look. Remember when Chelsea beat Barca one 0 When they then went on to win the Champions League, he was on the bench.
1: <laughs> That's unbelievable, isn't it? He was a sub keeper that night. We so get middle. Right. So, so he probably could come up with a team, I think.
4: Okay, I think he'll have to be the keeper because my know, research yeah. didn't draw up anyone else.
1: But what formation would you go for? For what traditionally, like actually? A No four, 4 2 no, no I don't know what's, what's your, what would be your traditional African formation. Is that like, you know how like certain football continents have certain formations
0: that are, that's kind of what suits them. What would the African be? Not particularly, because a lot of the coaching has been European influence. So, you know, whatever's sort of flying at a particular time, maybe, you know, you get a 4, three, three, four, four two, you know, so, you know.
1: I figure we ought to go like 2 4 4, like, like just all the attacking talent in. Well, if you do, I'll allow a
4: 4 3
1: 3. Yeah. <laughs> nah, 2 4 4. Let's go 2 4 4. Like... 2 at the back. Why not? Right,
4: for Effie Ambrose, and who else? Oh, we
2: we'll just need Baldi to be fair. He can do exactly. by himself. So, Spoil
1: 1 at the back. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, think, uh, I think you go
2: 4, yeah, three, three. Yeah. four I three, think 3 3. 4
1: 3 3. Well. Right. Okay. Right. So, Baldi's definitely in. There's no hmm. doubt about that. Uh, Bugera. Bugera. Yeah. Right, okay. Does Mo Salah get in it right back? Maybe. Yeah. I'm trying to see. Oh, Balagan's Bar- not been there long, but Balagan, I reckon, would be.
3: You could play him right back,
1: yeah. Could. I'm trying to see who else would I maybe be I think Salah up. because he's played with
2: like he's, he's played at St. George's. He was there. For, he, I would put him in ahead of Balagan. He played time. Yeah, and yeah. also he
1: was a good player. St. George and he was brilliant, actually. Uh, left back, Is it not a Camara? Was it not a um, He wasn't particularly good at Celtic. Was it was not it a no, Camara that played at left back? I think From I he played at Wolves. No, there's As well. a, no, there's was... a left back that played for Celtic. Was it a, they scored? Did they not
2: score from one of the cup finals? League cup final,
1: maybe? Celtic? Oh, um, Dumby, Dumby, I the right back. Is aye, we'll put Mo Salah at left back and be a right Doombie. back. Right. Maybe, even though I don't. like, I think Doom be. That's why I think he's remembered for the Celtic, I think. Really? Oh, you, but it's got pretty a, good. Cup one out of that. Aye, aye. What's a cup? What's uh,
2: right,
4: a top okay. flight? What's to the
1: point for you and Erin this week? What's that? What's a top flight? That's what you're asking. No, what's a league cup more like? You mean. Um Right, okay. All right, Scott,
4: no need for that. We're having a nice Midfield, time here. I
1: think Samana needs to be in there. Ips. Midfield,
4: Wanyama right. needs to go in there.
1: What, definitely. So Wanyama. On um, the wings. Samana. And Danny. I'm, I'm trying to see. Aye, probably. If you look at everybody else, I think he would that. yeah, probably, yeah.
0: Just say
1: two yeah. midfielders you've got there. One oh. Yama, Zamana, Himdani. Okay. Uh, I would say Zero Ali is in. Like, entertainment. Yeah, goals,
2: um, one of the wings.
1: Kill. And he'd have he'll been Okay, so he'll get bums on think. seats. Bombs on seats. The folk will want to see him.
4: Also, we only saw a glimpse of it, I remember? Who's
1: um, sure that? Um, hmm. Ah does Jose Katongo go in the team? Aye. I would have him on the right. You know
2: Kuz- what
1: is Kuzan in the centre? Kuzan in the centre. I'm just it should come into my head. Oh, Joey never mentioned but Larry Kingston at hearts. But I don't know what eh, eh, Oh see, I'm wondering midfield. Is Sidari getting ahead head head? of Bob and <laughs> Gomez and and Gomez went at Bundy United? I they never Got, never, got never. to put the penalty king in Johnny Hubbard.
4: Yeah, is Johnny Hubbard's yeah,
1: gonna have to go into the pens. Aye. Yeah, he can lead the line. Yeah, we'll get a lot of penalties in this team. Yeah, no, quite well, it, actually.
0: There's no enough Just put Well, Hubbard was
1: outrageous. so...
0: If you've got El Hajj like... well, so. <laughs> yeah. he'll die for enough of the penalties, then Hubbard will score him, so... Yeah. Uh oof. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no.
4: And Zero Alley can play... Zero Don't put him in midfield. Put him up front. Yes. Oh, I thought we were putting him in midfield. We
1: no, no. Wanyama Zamanahimdani midfield.
4: Yeah, fine. Okay, that's not bad.
1: So zero Alley Hubbard and Katongo.
4: Yeah. I
1: think. I'm trying to see if there's any gliding emissions. Oh wait. hi. Oh, yeah. Yeah. John's baldy head working here. You uh, right. it's... It like
2: really
1: this What's that? What's that mathematical? Really film? What's that mathematical film where it's like numbers and that. No, I'm not really. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what it's like. <laughs> well, maybe it is. Uh, like that's, uh, that's maybe no fair. Um, uh, and then subs. No, we don't do subs. Best 11. That's the 11. Right, I like that team. I think I'll that's get not it, bad. I'll get it fired out on the old podcast as well, with the old Best 11 app that's pretty good. Um, Right, the only thing we need to do before the podcast wraps up, because we're not going to bother talking about what's going on just now, in Scottish football. Uh, I well, Aberdeen,
2: you
1: know, we're not going to talk about Aberdeen. Well, we've oh, not, we generally, we, gen- right. we, we <laughs> generally don't, well, we, eh, nah. Right, the only thing we will see a wee bit, League Cup this week, any shocks? Anyone remember the League Cup was on? No. No. Yeah, Red <laughs> Cup. <laughs> okay, it's like Thunder, Thunder in, right? it's like Thunder, though, you are, isn't right. you know what free, it's all about, Diddy Cup, red Diddy red Cup. Red Blue Celtic, no one can watch it. Right, the Cup, well, That's... no bother, Rangers and Celtic in Europe. Celtic still haven't won in Spain. Continues. And Rangers, didn't matter. Dembele wasn't there and they lost. So, tough start for both teams. Yeah.
3: Uh, right. that's just like a quick, first... that's, I like
1: this. This is like a quick round. Of this <laughs> well, a, a get a, early, if you're going
2: to
1: lose games, the first game is probably the best one. Jack Hendry. One man defence against P, uh, PSG. That, that needs to be spoken about. Because Jack Hendry has got a fair bit of criticism still. From a lot of fans, but we've seen them. We've all seen the keys in the pocket. Mbappe, Messi, Neymar, Jack Hendry was sublime. Even I think had a couple of attempts in goal as well. Fantastic performance, yeah,
2: 100%. Um, I wouldn't say one
1: man show, but yeah, it was good. Obviously no but from our point of view, I don't know there's any other Scottish players playing for Club Brew, so we don't really care about the other players. Um,
0: but, sorry. Our, did you just gloss over the Betis-Celtic game? That was a lot of fun, wasn't it? It was. <laughs> you know, I enjoyed uh, the highlights. It was uh, entertaining, you know. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, the giant war of Scott McGill was
2: on him. I could kind of rub it and team lost again. <laughs> yeah,
1: uh, well, I, I, I well was... quickly, are Celtic in crisis? No. No, they're not crisis. No. Not yet. How far are they from crisis? What I think they may be going out of crisis. I think they maybe were last season, and they're probably well, are they just because one three losses. If, if they lose, our next league game. Who is there next? Well, they've got well, three they've and got four. In... What, then, what because I know there's a project, but a project at Celtic only lasts all on when you <clears> are at least <throat> winning more games than you're losing.
2: If they lose the next two and they, they don't perform well in the next two, then you can probably say this is maybe a start of a crisis. Yes. But
1: again, it
2: all depends. It all depends on how you lose and, and they're
4: is not going to the next two, though, are they? Because one of them is against Aberdeen and they're going kind to of, well be nine nil. So that's I'll just they'll just,
1: be, they'll just play top Roddick, basically beep because so, yeah.
2: So yeah. I I would say it's again too early. In this what. So, I well, always we say to both Rangers and Celtic fans, you have to give a manager a bit more time than just a few months. Probably same to Aberdeen fans at the moment. Stephen Glass, you've got to take a wee bit more time and assess things. It's not even Christmas yet, and people talking about crisis
1: and everything else. Yeah, well, I see more Aberdeen media content than I do Celtic. Well, actually, I probably don't. That's rubbish. Social media because I tend to obviously follow more Aberdeen fans. We, we are supposedly major league crisis. It's glass out already.
2: And what is it, one point between you and Celtic?
4: Yeah, but we're seventh. It's not like it's one point at the top, is it? But, yeah, it's,
2: but still, it's still... It's still... You know, we're we're other the actual, crisis. you know, if you're seventh in March, then, yeah, I can see what the, the problem is, but it's, it's a
1: hard I move. think we
4: will be seventh in March at this rate. Oh, well, you had as really? one in
1: the league. Aberdeen.
4: Yeah, well, I obviously had a moment there, didn't I? Can we delete, go get, get us <laughs> people Actually, sure. wait
1: a minute, was it not the 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 treble, not quadruple? I knew you had us in the conference league as no, well. No, I didn't. And I had did us have... winning the
4: league. I so had the was... Samirin winning the league cup, so it <laughs> and I had us winning the Scottish cup, which hasn't started yet, to be fair. it's got plenty of time to make a mess of that.
2: And did you not also say after Covid you wouldn't be more in uh, Aberdeen?
4: Yeah, I wasn't going to worry about the weather, Aberdeen, or the trains. And
1: <laughs> exactly
4: <laughs> No, on Saturday, it was beautiful sunshine. It was a lovely day.
1: But you uh, apart from the football?
4: Yeah, and the early train I had to get to Scottsdale. Well, yeah, great.
2: But maybe it's your fault. Maybe you need to get a macaroni pie. And that's, the, that's what's holding Aberdeen
1: back. point. You've not had a macaroni pie yet. <laughs>
4: Oh, the, macaroni oh. pie, the Macaroni Pie is
1: yet to happen. Now, here's a question. Because right, I've never had the opportunity to get to an African game in Africa. I've seen a game because I was lucky enough to be in Morocco when the last African Nations Cup was on, and I seen I saw Morocco get knocked out by Benin in a penalty shootout. The atmosphere was brilliant up until obviously they get knocked out. I was hoping obviously that Morocco went through because I was rec- I reckon party in Marrakesh was going to be off the scale. But, it was quite a quiet night for Marrakesh, which, if anyone's been to Marrakesh, there's not many quiet nights in Marrakesh. Anyone been to Marrakesh? No. I'd
4: like to no. go through,
1: Morocco's on my list. Yeah, I've been a couple of times, I like it. It's, yeah, it's
0: cool. Ibrahim, have you been to many games in Africa? um i haven't but i've seen a lot of african teams playing in england you know when a lot of the friendlies over the last few years often tend to get hosted over here so i've been to craven cottage to see nigeria ghana senegal um yeah the barnet um, went to watch nigeria versus senegal which was quite a, a lot of fun a few years ago um yeah so i haven't actually been to an african game in africa uh because i want to know what food did he get
1: at football in African countries is the stuff that's traditionally sold at African
0: games. Yeah, you get a lot of poultry, a lot of chicken, you get a lot of... Um, yeah, you get... A, yeah, yeah, there'll be a lot of stuff yeah. uh, Nice, of that rice, sounds nice. A lot of rice, I guess, you know. Yeah, It'll be, be a bit hearty, a lot of hearty food, you know. I so mean, I'm like... Yeah, pitching... you'll, you'll, be, you'll, you'll be happy with what you get, basically. You're not going to go hungry going to a football match in Africa.
1: So I'm no. picturing going to a game in Morocco, and there's like the biggest tagine hot, as opposed to a pie hot, it's a tagine hot. That's yeah. what I've got in my head now. <laughs> mm. And that I'd, be in for, I'd be up for it.
0: Yeah. To yeah. be honest, I'm all in. I work tagines. Enjoy. I love, I've, I do all that. Yeah. Um, can you tell me about this macaroni pie? It sounds great. It
4: is great. <laughs> Thank you for asking that. <laughs> so you've had macaroni cheese.
0: Yeah.
4: And you've had a pie. Yeah. So imagine the two of them together. Now, I'm actually not the biggest fan of macaroni cheese, but in a pie, it just works.
1: (laughs) You don't like macaroni cheese, you've said. This is where it gets
4: But in a pie, it's a different commodity. So it's just like your normal standard football pie, but macaroni cheese. And it's not runny. It's it's quite a thick texture, because obviously if not, it's going to go everywhere, isn't it? And normally it's quite crispy on top, a little bit cheese, brilliant. But every time I go to a game this season, I go and get my... Now, I have even been trying before the game to get my pie, Twenty to three, castle. They sold out ages ago. How I can mean, they sold out ages ago? When did you open? So it's been quite a stressful period for me actually, and we're hopeful that potentially St Mirren could come through on Sunday with Macaroonie
1: Pie. Basically, you've seen the Indiana Jones films when they're trying to find the the goods. That this is like Erin's Hunt. This I think it might Oops. be like Indiana Jones and Erin searching yeah. for macaroni pie not a very catchy name if someone comes up with something better but that's affected what it's like just now
4: if I get a macaroni pie on Sunday and we win 3-0 it'd be a
1: good day what if we if you have a macaroni pie and it's a draw well that won't be good will it we'll we we to get be macaroni good. pie and we've not lost so
0: that's pretty good is
4: that what is that really your what,
0: what about 5-0 I mean, win and no macaroni pie
1: also good but you've not got a macaroni pie. But we've won 5-0. That's all you've spoken Ibrahim, about this Ibrahim season, Mac macaroni Aradine pies. I feel like <laughs> I, I dream of macaroni pies now.
0: And I, I dream I of I five wins. I dream of one it. goal. You've obviously
1: not seen
4: Aberdeen <laughs> play this season, have you? Five I have nil. seen Aberdeen even, even, even Not even this
0: season, game. but I have seen Aberdeen play live at Easter Bye. Road back in 2004. I was there with... Um, to my next girlfriend, we went to see, uh, we were in Edinburgh on a nice romantic weekend. And I said, Can we go and watch the football? And um, yeah, she sparked least... the day after. <laughs> <laughs> Not long after, actually. We? And, uh, um, yeah, so uh, convinced her to go to the Road to watch uh, Hibs versus Aberdeen. Um, yeah, finished 2 1 2 Hibs. So um, yeah, so I've seen Aberdeen play and I've seen Aberdeen lose. So. Yeah, Fence haven't changed. I've changed
2: because we love talking about football ad food in this podcast, one of the kind of best experiences I've had was actually at the Emirates. It was before a Scotland-Brazil game. Okay. But you go down the streets and there's stalls, you know, it's in people's front gardens, and they're selling all sorts of different types of food. There was, I think, African, there was Caribbean, South American. And it was just bro. It was like a, almost like a um, festival
0: before going to the football. You could just pick and choose whatever house you wanted to rock up at yeah i think people like to take advantage of that because it's it, just because of the sort of like the residential sort of aspect of it and people just sort of take that on some entrepreneurial uh sort of instinct to think well actually if we're going to get thousands of people walking through my garden then uh, i may as well um cook some food for them
1: has anyone I mean, seen the documentary about west ham moving to the stadium on try to prime on netflix and a lot of it was actually about how it was affecting local businesses because mm. people would go before the match to, like, their, I don't know, cafe or bar or whatever. But they had, like, stalls selling different foods and all that type of thing. They were like, I don't know if we'll get to do that at the new stadium. Mm. Well, that's a
4: huge it's thing. Good. A if you've not and seen it, it's really good, actually. Oh, it might be called Up the Iron Irons.
1: That, it might be called that. Just search West Ham documentary. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure it'll be the only one that's on Netflix or Prime.
0: Yeah, I can't imagine they'll get away with that at the London Stadium because it's all very sort of bare around it. And, you know, yeah, it's, yeah, it's
1: all very corporate now. Probably £20 a pie, I would think, in yeah. there. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> yeah.
4: I actually thought the food at Stamford Bridge was quite reasonable.
1: Yeah, what, what was quite reasonable again, though? The, place.
4: Place-wise. Place-wise.
1: Place-wise, or?
4: Uh, like £3. Was it? Yeah, a nice and a nice pint as well, a nice chicken uh katsu pie. Had a chicken pie at Motherwell, a little bit dry, but quite good. A chicken curry pie at Motherwell is very good. Tiny bit dry, but otherwise good.
3: Oh, there's a, a food photo doing the rounds in social media. It's a bit well on Twitter is where I saw it. I don't know if you have saw it. We've probably about, spoke uh, about it.
1: If it's one you posting in the chart, but go for it. but a slice of pizza. Oh. Oh, uh, at Hillsborough, um,
3: Sheffield Wednesday's game against Shrewsbury at the weekend, and a guy had bought a slice of pizza, four quid it cost for one slice, and it
1: looked absolutely honking. Just a slice, so it wasn't like a slice one. of pizza in a pie. No, well, actually, would you eat a slice of pizza in a pie? <laughs> not a pizza pie style, pizza slice in a pie, would you go can for that?
4: lasagna pies in Aberdeen, so I guess it's
1: similar. Aaron, can you explain to Ibrahim how you eat pizza, please? He <laughs> doesn't eat it, have we don't have like <laughs> enough time for that.
4: No, it's not it's not complicated. So I would eat the crust first, because it's the boring bit, and then the nice bit with the sauce and the cheese and the fillings is the better bit, isn't it?
0: I can understand the rationale for that. I mean, Can you don't, not what don't, I do. not encourage you. I, I do understand the rationale for it, yeah. Um, Thank you for that. One, I appreciate your support. Fo- one more food and football story. Um, uh, I went to Milan for the first time quite some years ago to watch, uh, watch Inter versus Calorie. Terrible game of football. But I had, um, I don't know if you've ever had like the arancini balls, which are just made
4: oh. like oh. 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 and
0: cheese, like deep fried in this big ball. And it was the first time I'd ever had it. And I would just, it just blew my mind. And it was better than the game
2: to be honest yeah My stag, my stag was in Milan. And uh, I didn't have it at the stadium, but it was outside the stadium. It was in Milan. Uh, and Arancini was absolutely fantastic. But again, I had a boring game as well. So that's obviously not where to go for an like, exciting game.
1: It's almost like I forgot the ad, the sponsored ad, but I've not even asked you to say this. So Arancini, for those that don't know, are big balls of goodness. Mm-hmm. That, that's how you would describe them, really. It's all good inside. Big, big Italian balls. Is how that's big good. Italian balls. Bit crusty. That's because it's breadcrumbs. Cheesy. So, meaty. Sometimes cheesy, sometimes meaty. Yes. Tasty. Filling. Oh, yeah. Well, you know where I'm going. So 20% and free shipping at uk.manscape.com off the more 4.0. The weed whacker, any products. You can use it in the dark. It lights up. You can use it when it's wet in the shower. So get involved. SFF podcast, capital letters. You never know. Maybe if we ask them, we might do free arancini with the products. But if you've not tried arancini, ah, oh, it's it's good. I had some a nice arancini last week actually. I, did, I, I tell you, Scott, I did. Uh, maybe. I told yeah, you I'd yeah. been in Italian. You read to Chilemas? I don't know if I mentioned the big balls, though. You didn't talk about your big balls, no? No. I've saved that for an time. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, I think that's a wrap. Uh, Ibrahim, I want to thank you for coming on. It's been brilliant. Uh, oh, thank you for having me on. It's been yeah, fun. Thank you. Yeah. No, it was really it's interesting.
4: I enjoyed that a lot. Much more <laughs> interesting than this lot. Pardon? Nothing.
3: That says a lot for me, and I've only
1: been on once. Uh,
4: I'm actually really sorry, Donald, because that sounds like you You actually came with a lot of facts prepared. You've done some research.
1: Donald, Donald knows his stuff. Donald's the, the hipster of the podcast. When he's on, when he can be asked how on.
4: <laughs> I'm just devastated that I've spent 9 99 on Ibrahim's book, and apparently he doesn't see a penny of it if it's Kindle, so I don't know where that money's gone.
0: Uh, to Amazon, obviously. You're feeding the empire. Oh, you bought it on Kindle.
4: Yeah, I've got Kindle,
0: that's I, how I read. Oh, come on. I
4: know.
1: Oh, Refund. Can you not get a refund and buy it properly? Well, it is pro- I'll read
4: it. Maybe, though, I'll read it on Kindle,
1: but I might buy a paperback copy that I could get signed and keep as a special treat. Cool. Yes. but well, I we've been lucky enough to have authors on the podcast before, and I've got at least two signed books by Daniel Gray.
0: Yeah, I have
2: as well. So, Marco van Basten saying, "Do you want to really have this competition?" Oh, here
1: we go. You volleyed that one in, didn't
2: you?
1: <laughs> uh, so, yeah. No, thanks again. If you ever want to come back on, would be we'd love to have you back on. We always like returning guests. So, yeah. Thank Anything, you. Anything
3: before you go? What, what's next in the pipeline, then, Abraham? Have you taken a breather and just working, or you get something maybe murmuring in the background that you might decide
0: to write another book? Um, I don't want to say too much. I've got ideas, but I haven't committed anything yet. I haven't no. made anything yet. Just trying to, you know, if you have an idea. You're trying to see if it makes sense to, if it actually extends to a book. Is it just like, a, is it a book? Is it a long essay, or is it just a string of tweets? You know, that's what you've got to decide. When <laughs> <up>. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no longer naive. Get it
1: on yeah. in bookshops and get it online, but not on Kindle. <laughs> um, Right, cheers everyone. Right, cheers. Thanks. Cheers.
0: Cheers.